listening to The Cannabis Agenda, your weekly source for cannabis-related news and informed discussion. We podcast for an hour every Monday covering topics related to cannabis legalization, medical marijuana, and market-related information. You can follow online with us at CannabisAgenda.com. And now, your hosts, Jamie Cass and Mike Reed. What up? Hey. What's the dealy? Number 40 here, huh? Big 4-0, man. I'm loving it. It's, uh, we're moving up on a year. Getting close. Yeah, what's we it? Are. About 10 more episodes. Nice. Ooh, that's 50. Yeah. Can we celebrate that? I think we're gonna. Cool. Down that's right. We're considering some interesting stuff for starting episode 50, right? Yeah, we should, we should break that to our, our audience later. After we yeah. figure it out a little more, I think. Later as if not today. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> it's sunny here. Oh, my God. Yeah. I can't believe it. Yeah, it's gorgeous here. Mm. Hope you guys all have a nice Thanksgiving. Yeah, it was cool. Mine was somewhat non-eventful because, as you know from last episode, we uh, I had a pretty pretty nasty cold, and it just got a little worse, and I had to make the 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 worst call ever I just didn't want to make. And, and my mom is one of those moms that just lives for Thanksgiving. That's her yearly big hurrah. And she cooks great too. So it was like a mutual heartbreak, but I called her up and told her, unfortunately, I just really don't think I should come. You know, I wasn't, you couldn't hear me like you can hear me now. I was like, you know, it was horrible. <laughs> she goes, man, you're you making booger awful. gravy. Yeah. Booger was, gravy, man. not gravy. What did, yeah. what did you tell me I was doing? My, my brains were blowing through my nose, but uh, your, your yeah, brains are leaking out of your nose. Yeah, that was what was going on, and I told her, and she goes, "You know, honey, you just don't come. You know, I'm, you don't, you don't have to come. I won't feel that bad." And I'm like, "You liar!" <laughs> but thanks, and I didn't go, and I missed it. I missed it. I missed Thanksgiving. Oh, but she's coming down a special road trip to bring me a whole carload full of extra goodies that's you know left over. So that's cool. How about you guys? Nice. You have a good Thanksgiving. It's all right. It was all right. I spent some time with my son and some friends, and yeah, it was pretty good. That's what it's all about. Yeah. Cogs? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I, I yeah. saw a uh, pot on Thanksgiving and uh, saw his little boy, growing little boy. Very yeah, awesome. Growing. Yeah, sure yep. thing. Yeah, I had a nice time, though. Very nice. Well, Hopefully all you guys did, too. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Hopefully we appreciate everyone out there listening. Um you know, it's we've been doing this for a while now. I can't believe we're at episode four. Um, what exactly we do here, Jamie? It's a nice thing. Oh man, I love this word. Can I use it again? Activistainment. Uh-huh. We uh, we talk. We discuss <laughs> different issues, everything related to cannabis, from market information. You guys do some fantastic grow tips now and again. Um, we talk about issues that are in the news that are relevant and pertinent to anybody concerned with cannabis-related issues. And we urge you to get involved because anybody that's probably listening to our show, um, at least the the majority of them anyway, um, will definitely be interested and concerned about the issues that we're discussing. And if that was the case, then you should certainly stand up and step into the ring and get get busy uh, making some changes because that's how it gets done. Yeah. That? That's nice. it. Well that's, what, that's, that's what we do. Um, what are we doing today? Today we got a big California, we got a California update. The battle's going on here, especially down SoCal, Los Angeles and Orange Counties. Um, trying to ban more dispensaries, uh, 
more uh, tax talk. Looks like we looks like another swag tunnel got busted at the border. Um, yeah, two more of them. <laughs> two more of them. Um, Humboldt has formed a uh, growers association, and it looks like we've got an update on the attorney general race in California as well. Um, going to have an update on Mark Emery's situation today. What else? What do you got on here, Jim? You got a bunch of stuff following all, right. all that. What's some, uh, I would, I would actually, uh, probably unofficially dub this the weird news day because there's all kind of crazy stories going on out here that we're going to share with you. Some weird stuff from the national spotlight. They've done some, uh, things with some terrorist, uh, preparation, you know, to be, be, uh, I guess you call it a drill, you know, to uh, be ready in case of a terrorist problem. But the premise behind it was just absolutely ridiculous. We'll share that with you in a little bit here. Uh, New Jersey still having problems with their proposed rules for their med pot stuff. Um, the assembly um, says throw it out. Christie's a nut job. And uh, they want to redo these things in a, in, a, in a more proper fashion where it'll actually, you know, help patients. Um, Willie Nelson got harassed some more for his affinity for the beloved weed. Um, Hawaii, they're, they're harassing people and nobody knows why down there. Well, I think a couple of entities know why, and we'll talk about that a little more as well. Uh, Michigan marijuana, um, still confusing people out there in Michigan. Uh, they really need to get some clarity and get some things worked out down there. Um, Rocky Mountain High this week um, features a couple great stories. Um, Colorado's reaching for some new med pot regulations statewide. That'd be the first state uh, with medical cannabis legislation to do so. We'll just, we'll explain a little more about what that means um, really soon here. Um, in addition, the, their mass transit system, their, uh, in, in our announcements, we'll cover uh, a great event coming up, but the, they're, they're advertising that event on their buses, which is a big deal because in the uh, past, I think we probably mentioned on this program before, um, there's been attempts to do advertising related to cannabis um, on mass transit buses. You know how they have the big ads running on the side of the buses, and they've gotten turned down a lot, and there's been lawsuits and arguments and all kinds of things resulting as, uh, because of the censorship involved with that. And uh, <clears throat> this is a good story, so we'll cover that as well. Southwest um, Dispensaries might be on the way. Um, Arizona needs some uh, new uh, changes to their law as well. They're developing their laws, you know. They've got 120 days to do that down there. And I've got some serious suggestions for Arizona, at least one uh, very, very pertinent one. So pay attention, Arizona rule makers. Uh, Midwest Melee is going to bring us some information about Iowa. That's, that's interesting huge. Stuff. Yeah, that's a huge uh-huh. story. I like, I like the big, sound big, of this yeah. one. Yeah, and another one They're, of these uh, goofball uh, stories. I'm sorry. Keep. What were you going to say? It's all good. I just think that's a huge story. If they're moving forward with that, the Iowa Pharmacy Board trying to reschedule marijuana. I think that's a big deal. I can't. We can't wait to get to get to that later on. Yeah, and from the inside, huh? You know, the authorities are like doing this. That's a really cool thing. Um, yeah, the research. In, so, so just a second. We'll stop here for one second. So. Drugs are scheduled federally, and then they're scheduled at a state level too. Is that um, that's what well, that, that's that's what that appears yeah. to me. We'll get into that I, a little bit more. It's uh, all right. It's it might be uh, I don't know if you want to call it ceremonial. Um, uh, we'll we'll discuss that a little bit more and talk about right. what that all means. Right. Um, and from the research bin, another one of those ridiculous studies um, that says something really bad, but it says may 
it may do this. Cannabis may suppress your immune functions in this case. Um, you know, that's an age-old argument that cannabis hurts your immune system. Um, well, now they found some very little known and almost uh, completely unresearched um, aspect of your immune system, certain type of cells that they say they've shown it, it does suppress those cells. And nobody really knows if that matters, I, I think. Ooh, and, uh, that's going to be... That's going to be interesting. Looking forward to that. Yeah, it only may. And, uh, you know, for your, for your reading, if you're listening to this now, as usual, if you're listening to this, you can get this uh, information on our website. And uh, there will be a decent little opinion piece. Uh, uh, it's a rant and rave story um, um, about this study that uh, I thought they put it really well. Um, you can check that out and gives you a little extra insight into it. And, uh, yeah, with that, it looks like a pretty decent show. Packed. It's packed, yeah. So, like Jamie was saying, any of you guys can go onto the website cannabisagenda.com and uh, look at the notes from any show, and you can click on all the stories that we link to. Um, so, if there's ever any clips where you just have to see the person's face or anything like that, you can watch the clips mm -hmm. or just click on it. It'll take you straight to the clip, or you can read any of the stories that we cover. So, uh, check that out, cannabisagenda.com. Um, so yeah, so you guys can, uh, obviously keep in touch with us, uh, by checking out our website, website, cannabisagenda.com, email us anytime, info at cannabisagenda.com, questions, comments, criticism, whatever. We'd appreciate it if you guys could, uh, if there's any scoops in your local area or state that mm -hmm. we have not covered, please send them to us. We love it when you guys do that. We get, we Absolutely. have been getting a lot of that from listeners lately. So, Hey, uh, and nations I might include. Oh yeah, other countries too as well. Mm -hmm. we, we we're all over the world now. So uh, please send us um, send us uh, the scoop of what's going on in your area, and we will cover it. Also, if you have any interview ideas with anyone you think we should interview, please send those in as well. Um, you could call twenty four hours a day at seven zero seven. 654 can C A N N, which is 2266. Uh, we're not going to answer that phone except for when we are happening to do live interviews. But uh, anytime mm -hmm. you can leave us a voicemail, we will play it online. Um, as far as uh, names go, if you want us to say your name, just say your name on the on the recording or on the email. If you do want us to use some sort of alias, please uh, let us know as well. Um, you can uh, check us out on iTunes. iTunes is the easiest way to listen to podcasts. You can search for us. Um, on iTunes in the podcast section, either you can search Cannabis Agenda, The Cannabis Agenda, or you can search for keywords marijuana or uh, cannabis, and you should be able to find us pretty easy. Once you've found us, uh, the easiest way to keep, a, to keep up to date on the show is to subscribe to it. Uh, you subscribe to it, it'll be aut automatically downloaded to your iTunes once it's available. Um, and also, uh, we really appreciate all the reviews everybody have, has been leaving for us lately. Um, they've helped uh, mm -hmm. boost our ratings in iTunes, which has made it easier for us to be found. Um, specifically, if you could use the word marijuana in the review, it would help us, um, we mm -hmm. think, um, so that it's easier for us to be found under the word marijuana because uh, we titled our show Cannabis Agenda. Uh, it made us made it difficult for us to be found under the search term marijuana, but it, it is, is getting easier. Um, and, uh, what's going on? Where are we now? Um, with the, the, um, streaming stuff, man. Uh, same, same place. Yeah. About the same place we were last week. Four random episodes are streamed, um, online. You can, can you find a link to that at the website? Is that how you get there? Yeah. In fact, there's a little player you can, you don't even need, like you don't need iTunes anymore. You can just go to the website and click play and it'll start playing one of the random episodes. You know what we should do? We should put, we should like. Put some best of episodes in there, you know? Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that'd be good. Like the election um, one, that was a good one. 
Sure, people like that. That's the format we're talking about considering moving forward with in the future. Um, also, uh, Twitter's been blowing up lately. I don't know if you guys have been getting all those emails. I've been getting all those emails. We get mm-hmm. followers all the time now. It's, it's growing. Facebook has been too. So you can follow us on Twitter or Facebook. Um, you can search uh, Cannabis Agenda on either one of those. And uh, please follow us. And please, uh, on Facebook, please um, suggest us to your friends as well. Uh, that would be, uh, that'd be great. Um, help, uh, mm-hmm. help us keep growing through Facebook. Um, yep. So that's, uh, those are the many ways to stay uh, in touch with us. Um, let's see here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What we got going on here? looks like we're moving into, uh, announcements and events. What's the KushCon coming up? Mm-hmm. Very cool. This is a, a success over in Colorado last year. Now it's back. KushCon 2 is coming on, presented by Kush Magazine and DailyBuds.com. There'll be live enter, uh, music and entertainment, holiday shopping, over $100,000 in prize giveaways. Um, they're going to have extreme skate demos, uh, cooking and glass blowing demos. Um, there's 300,000 plus square feet of holiday fun and exhibitors, um, hydroponic and grow experts, and so much more. This is uh, verbatim straight from their advertisement. You can check it out. We have a link to it on our site now. Um, you can win a Growbot. You got to check this thing out. It's a giant semi-trailer, and it's like it, it's it's. I just can't describe it. It's it's intense. So check that out, and uh, you'll be surprised. On the front of the page, it says you can win one of these things at the. So that's a that's a huge deal because I mean I don't know if it's uh it's probably not a fifty two footer, but I was pricing these in this. They have a fifty two foot long one. It costs eighty three thousand dollars, and I think this one probably at least costs like forty or fifty thousand dollars. So Whoa. that's a it's a pretty serious prize. Um, that's this some serious is going crazy stuff. It is for sure. It's going on at the the Colorado Convention Center, 714th Street in Denver, Colorado, on December the 17th through the 19th. And uh, check out some of these performances. They're going to have Aaron Lewis there, uh, the Dirty Heads, Asher Roth, Mickey Avalon, Mixmaster Mike will be there. War, remember War? Low rider, get a little higher. That's war, and they'll be there. Greg Raleigh, Flowbots. Man, I'll go there just to see the Flowbots. I love the Flowbots. But anyway, that's coming up. It's the world's largest cannabis lifestyle convention. Um, get your tickets now. Check it out. Send, tell them Cannabis Agenda uh, sent you. And if they say who, let them know who we are. And uh, Denver, yeah. Colorado. What a good time of year to be there, too. Why not, right? Like Ab- Absolutely. Uh-huh. Yep, that's a good mid-December trip if anybody can make it, for sure. When yeah. is it? It's uh, December 17th through the 19th. Cool. So that sounds like a great time. Uh, speaking of great times, California has had some pretty great times here recently. Uh, first off on our list, this is a very big story here. Kamala Harris has won her bid for uh, California Attorney General. Now, listen, I think Kamala Harris, and this is just my personal opinion, I think she's a great person. I think she's a, a good person for this job. She's not necessarily a huge champion for medical marijuana or cannabis uh, law issues in general. She's not. Uh, so so in this case, it's not exactly what you get. It's more, although it's, it's, it's a relatively good thing. It's a much better thing. It, what it's really about here is what you don't get. And what you don't right. get is Steve Cooley because he is. Do you remember that guy that we, 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 we actually took our title for that episode about him? You know, ding dong, the what is I don't even remember what it was. The idiot's gone or something. Well, that idiot's name was Mark Souter from, from Indiana. And we don't randomly call people, you know, 
names. You know, he's hurt a lot, a lot of people with his uh, draconian policies and his, his closed minded attitude. Well, this guy, Steve Cooley, was basically the Mark Souter of California, if you will. And uh, he has adamantly spoken out against cannabis uh issues around the you know in, as a whole he uh, uh he even says that mer- medical marijuana is not real um you know the, the whole gamut he is the epitome of a, a prohibitionist drug warrior and he fortunately is gone now so that's great news for california i know that they've been celebrating that one um and uh you know i don't know what to say uh beyond that besides we're glad to see you go and uh, hopefully, you know, that was, Carl Rove had propped this guy up and he was doing his little snicker, you know, like he's always so confident that he he really rigged things up where it's going to work and he's going to be the mastermind behind this stuff. Well, he's been foiled again. He's gone, but he's still employed in Los Angeles County. Um, this is true. You know, and he's he's definitely an enemy of mar- medical marijuana throughout the state. He's done everything mm-hmm. he can to uh, to try and stop medical marijuana in um in uh, Los Angeles County and will continue to. Um, yeah. And like you're saying, it's not a, sh- she's definitely not a champion of marijuana rights, but she, it's one of those, you know, who are the lesser of the two evils in this case, she mm-hmm. is for our cause. So, um, right. you know, and you know, you know, something I noticed in this, in these changes that have been being made lately, um, there's kind of a pro and con going on here. And I think the, the negative aspect, one, one big, uh, well, potentially negative aspect that people don't, uh, aren't aware of is that they, well, Gavin Newsom was a much, uh, beloved mayor of, of San Francisco. We talk about San Francisco a lot because out of all the places, probably in the world, it's one of the few that really has their priority straight on medical cannabis and what's going on with it. You know, they were unanimous. They were, they were really huge majority voted for Prop 19. They were, they're supportive of medical cannabis in just about every way. They've got major doctors, respected doctors throughout their city that are behind uh, medical cannabis and so forth. And, uh, I don't know what's going to happen with this city. Uh, Gavin Newsom went to the Fed, the federal level. Um, it's a big, oh, didn't he? Yeah, I think he did. And uh, then uh, Kamala Harris now has left because she was the, uh, the AG for, for their um, city as well. And so I don't know what's going to happen. They left some big voids. I mean, they're, they're two top leadership positions in, uh, in the city of San Francisco are, are going to be vacated so they're going to have to replace them, and that could be great. They could get two new great people in there, you know. But the 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 potential is that they could get some not so great people in there as well. So, Bay Area has been the most favorable voting block for marijuana politics. Um, in mm. this, uh, it was with even with Prop 19, it passed with like sixty, nearly sixty five percent supporting Prop 19. So, um, I imagine. Uh, anyone that's going to run for office there has to have somewhat of sensible politics regarding mar- medical marijuana, or they're going to have a, a difficult time being elected in that area. So um, okay. those are big holes, but we'll, you know, I, I, I have a good feeling it'll, it'll fall favorably for uh, medical marijuana. So, but uh, you know, time will yep. tell. Let's hope so. Yeah. We'll keep an eye on that. So what's going on time up in Humboldt? Um, okay. So this is a, uh, this is a sack B story actually. And they spelled Humboldt wrong. I don't know if you guys noticed that here. Um, it's a, in this story, they, they forgot the T there's a T there guys. Uh, maybe your mm. editor should, should know that, but, uh, the story itself is, uh, um, kind of a big deal. It looks like there's a, uh, pot growers team kind of, uh, being, 
headed by this guy, um, Joey Berger, um, who's lived here since he was 14 years old. And um, what they're doing is uh, they started this group. Um, it's called the Humboldt Growers Association. It is aligned with the lobbyists in Sacramento. And uh, it's working to get county approval to license and tax outdoor pot, uh, pot grows um, in Humboldt County. Uh, this is a discussion that started uh, prior to the election in um, in uh, November, and it, it looked like it was geared towards uh, regular, you know, like collecting licenses and taxes on outdoor grows if Prop 19 passed. But it looks like now uh, the county is considering moving forward with it, even from a medical pot perspective. Um, what's going on is uh, uh, there, you know, there is a, a movement of growers up here in this area that do want to um, to become to become more of a legal. Uh, industry. It's not that it's not in your face. You know, everybody listening to this show has probably heard of Humboldt and, and what we're famous for. Uh, weed is a way of life here. Um, but there's a lot of people here. There's two, there's two different fears. One, there's the fear that we're going to lose our market um, share to these large factory farms down in the Bay Area, which a lot of small growers are scared of. And you, you, you understand that, don't you, Jamie? Makes sense. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Those are big, those are big time, big time operations, uh, supposedly going to be pulling down like 50 pounds a piece. And they just, just like let like six are going to let six in Berkeley and then they'll have four in Oakland in, in case people out there in the rest of the country or world don't know Berkeley and Oakland are connected to each other pretty much. So that's going to be like 10 large pot factories basically mm. in the same city. I mean, they're different cities, but they're connected. SoCal. it's hard right. to tell when a city starts and when a city ends. So, um, so that's a lot of, of uh, industrially farmed marijuana. And um, up here, we're worried that, that we will lose a lot of our market share to the clubs down south and in the Bay Area to these, um, to these factories. So people are starting to move forward up here on trying to figure out how to compete with that in a legal industry. Um, the idea of taxing and regulating marijuana is not new here, but it is something that people have issue with because up here, um, we kind of consider it somewhat of like a natural right to, to grow marijuana. Um, and, uh, uh, this guy, uh, let's see, Kim Nelson, he's, um, the, uh, secretary of the local medical marijuana advisory panel. He says people are talking about it, but that a lot of growers express quote, anger and rage over getting a permit to grow marijuana. So there is a, a there's, you know, both sides of the coin up here. There are a lot of people here that just don't want anything to do with paying taxes or putting money towards uh, licenses or anything like that. But um, it's going on. We're doing it. It's it's there's uh, the big one of the bigger things here is 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 um, people in this area think that the county will go too far and will make it to where only large you know. So we want to combat industrial grows and then that somehow we'll move towards that being we'll we'll have that here too because the city of Eureka is uh is going to allow for decent size industrial marijuana grows as well um and what we currently have are you know thousands upon thousands of small time uh indoor and outdoor growers so I guess the idea here is they're trying to discuss what the best way to move forward and keep us competitive um, with these large grows down in the Bay area. And, um, I, you know, I, I'm not sure how, how they're going to do it, but they're talking Well, the, the, the current proposal 
were county fees of $20,000 on a quarter acre outdoor garden and 80,000 on an acre. Um, so these are annual proposed annual fees. Sounds kind of taxed to me, but, uh, with, you know, with the current cost of, uh, of, uh, marijuana, I think you can make that. However, to me, it seems like that just kind of keeps the people in here that, that have been doing it for a long time. And if you make it too expensive, no one's going to take advantage of being in a legal industry, I would guess. But, uh, it's what's being discussed up here. Um, you know, as you know, it's a way of life here. It's a way of life up here. And, um, you know, we'll, uh, we'll see how this all, uh, all, uh, moves out, all, all kind of moves forward. Um, apparently there, what's up. I understand that the Humboldt County uh, district attorney, Paul Gallegos is behind this, these efforts as well. He, so, so I've listened to interviews with him and, um, he, he's somewhat wishy-washy on it. He's definitely pro legalization. Um, pro, you know, but yeah, he, he, um, it's, it's, I, I wouldn't, from what I see, I wouldn't call, he kind of keeps himself out of the loop on it. I mean, he, he definitely, um, prosecutes marijuana growers every year here. It says he prosecutes a thousand a year and one, it says mostly for grows exceeding 99 plants, which isn't even a, a rule in the County rules here anymore. So, um, you know, like, I mean, he's a district attorney, so, and there's right. a lot of pot cases, so it's hard to, to call him like, you know, basically a supporter, but right. I voted for him three sure. times now. And, and you know, I didn't know this, but he's the only prosecutor in California that publicly endorsed Proposition 19. You know, and, and, and so that's what it says here too, but I listened to an interview and he said that they used his name wrongfully on that and that he never signed the actual recommend, I mean, the actual um, endorsement for it because he was a member of LEAP that they just put uh, him on that endorsement as well. So, so um, however, he said he would probably vote yes for it. And I imagine he did, but I haven't found a, a follow-up on that. So, um, but there's a lot of different ideas going around. There's a idea for a regional brokerage to, uh, market small growers, uh, weed to pot shops down South. Um, mm -hmm. and, uh, a lot of different, like, you know, ideas of unions and organizations popping up in the area to try and keep, uh, try and figure out how to move forward in a legal, uh, in a legal manner. Um, and then, uh, apparently there was an event that showed us, that showed support for small, smaller licensing marijuana grows instead of 40,000 uh -huh. feet, only up to 2000 square feet. Um, mm. which is what we were talking about before, you know, yeah. like, um, with prop 19, for instance, it did not have any maximum sizes of, you know, they did they basically said every County, every city can make their own rules regarding how it's commercially ran. And, um, one of the big fears in the industry is that if, is that, you know, large corporations will come in and take over. Well, what if we do have a maximum saying you, you can't, you know, you can't have like make it impossible for someone to have a five acre, 500 acre ganja farm. Um, it, it kind of goes against my, like, political philosophy, but it is a pr protectionist sort of thing that could keep small growers involved in the business, um, over time and moving forward with it. I don't know. This is what we're all discussing up here in Humboldt County. And, uh, it's, wow. uh, it's a, it's a big deal. 
Um, and, um, they're, you know, apparently it looks like they're going to move forward on some sort of attempt to create a licensing structure up here for outdoor grows. Uh, we'll see what they do. It looks like they're pretty much considering, uh, an acre as the maximum plot. So, Uh but then I don't know how that works. If, what if you have several different, what if you have several different properties or different owner? I mean, you could, you could, you could license more than one, uh, through other methods, but, uh, you know, I guess the idea here is to try to keep it so that the small-time growers, the mom and pops, the people that do this as a lifestyle and as a community, um, can continue continue doing it. So, wow, sounds like a lot of interesting stuff going on in Northern Cali. Yep. Other, uh, if the fight goes on down in SoCal too, um, since kind of quieted for a while um, in the lead up to the election, but now all the court issues are kind of tumbling back through in, in uh, SoCal, a uh, judge backs um, the city of Riverside um, th- says it is within its right to use zoning laws to basically ban medical marijuana dispensaries. And this is really troubling because what the city of Riverside is doing is trying to make their zoning laws so tough that it's basically impossible to have a dispensary in the city. Cause that's what they're saying. They want, they do not want any, dispensaries within the city of Riverside. And um, let's see, the ju- uh, uh, a judge basically said that is within their right. Um, they're seeking a bunch of injunctions to try and move forward with getting all the dispensaries out of Riverside. And um, currently they're having luck. So uh, this will continue on to the fourth district of the uh, court of appeals. But um, yeah, I think this is troubling and I see it uh, in other areas throughout the state. It ha- happens all over the place where they're trying to make the, the you know basically the land use zoning the zoning regulation is so tough that it keeps it keeps all dispensaries out so that's what's going on in Riverside a judge has backed it this uh, Los Angeles County and Orange County uh, just moved forward they banned medical marijuana uh, dispensaries um, in unincorporated territories in LA County this affects 1.5 million people and in Orange County um, 120,000 people um, it's I don't you know I don't unincorporated areas in Los Los Angeles and Orange County. Again, it's really hard to tell. I don't know what that is because when you're down there, it never seems like you leave the same place. You go from one, you know, like right. you drive over the street and now you're in a different area, a different named area, but it did, nothing changed other than like some, mm-hmm. you know, like some arbitrary line. So they're, what they're trying to do there is, again, this is another, another move to try and cut down the number of dispensaries. Um, this is a big deal in L.A. and in Orange County. Um, traffic is, is driving, you know, the f- less and less dispensaries they have, the more people have to drive. When we're talking about six, sick people, you could spend a lot of time driving in those counties just to get to your pot shop. Um, however, Matt, we are down there. We've seen it. Some of these shops are pretty illegitimate aren't they yeah some of them are kind of whole holes in the wall that's for sure some of them have their act together as well you know not certainly not all of them that are that look bad but yeah it's there's, a thing there's some shady ones though there huh? are a few there's of them. Some, when, when we were down when there we were there were a couple there, murders and mobsters and it's a tough scene down there um and what the, you know they're saying it brings blight and crime to some neighborhoods and you know what it does to some but here's the thing. Here's what they're talking about is, well, why don't you make rules then? And, and instead of just kicking everybody out, why don't you make rules and enforce the rules? 
Um, mm-hmm. And that's what they've not been doing. Instead, they just try and write everyone out with the zone with these zoning new zoning rules. And currently, it's working, and judges are holding it up. Um, Orange County is making a lot of changes. Uh, they they uh, had never regulated mer- medical marijuana, but they uh, just uh, reversed that course and did put out um, a new. Uh, policy on it. So in, in Orange County, a lot of current dispensaries are probably going to have to move based on their zoning stuff, but it looks like they've made the rules to where some of them can't exist. So Orange County is about to open back up um, as far as, uh, but you'll have, you know, there will be a lot of laws and you, if, if you want to open down there, you will need to uh, to consult with an attorney and, and move forward on making sure you're within the zoning regulations. Um, but uh, yeah, this is what's going on again in, in, in California. It's um, it's it's this is where we were prior to the run up to the election. Lots and lots of court issues. It's where we are again. Um, and uh, I'm sure, it, you know, it's it's weird. Uh, we have this we have 215 in place, but we still are still 15 years later, still dealing with the, you know, all the fallout in the courts and stuff. So. Mm-hmm. Another another story here, the L.A. City Council um, decided to put um, in uh, to put a. Uh, medical pot taxes on the ballot on the March 8th ballot. We do have an election on March 8th here in California. And uh, again, the, a lot of places, a lot of places in the state voted no on Prop 19, but approved medical pot taxes. Uh, Los Angeles is moving forward to see if their voters will do the same too. What they're propo- proposing is a $50 business tax per $1,000 of gross receipts at each dispensary. So that's $50 in tax off of $1,000, but thousand, that $1,000 is not pure profit. So that's a pretty, that, that's going to be a pretty hefty percentage tax once it comes down to it. Mm-hmm. Um, the big issue here is again, um, tax, are we taxing a medicine? Is it a prescribed medicine? Is it an over-the-counter medicine? Well, actually, it's a recommended me- medicine. So that kind of is a little bit of a legal gray area. I don't think there's any other recommended medicines um, where you need that recommendation to get it. Like your doctor may recommend that you start taking vitamins, but you don't have to take that recommendation into the pharmacy to buy your vitamins, but you do for marijuana. Uh, and typically in this in this country, we do not tax uh, at least sales tax, put sales tax on um, prescribed medications. Yet we do, uh, in most cases, on over-the-counter medications. So we're dealing with uh, starting to collect taxes uh, throughout the state on marijuana. And the issue is is whether or not that's even really legal. Um, which I guess since it's not a prescribed medicine, it'll probably be found that it is, but a lot of places are moving really, really quickly to start collecting taxes on marijuana and uh, aren't really wanting to move forward with legalizing it. But uh, that's what's, that's what's going on down in SoCal and uh, throughout the state. So, right. More, more mayhem. Uh, Hopefully it's going to have a a light at the end of the tunnel and they can get something figured out for, you know, the long term. Speaking of tunnels, yeah. Yeah, Speaking of tunnels, they found two more of those uh, crappy swag tunnels out there, where uh, you get that awesome quality Mexi pot stuff that everybody's just so crazy about. (laughs) I say uh, sarcastically. Um, This time they seized twenty tons of pot, um, and they arrested eight people in San Diego and Tijuana. Um, It was funny. This is not the same story we got the information from, but there's there's another story I I read briefly about uh, from a Fox affiliate, and it said use of tunnels is up 
<laughs> and I thought, are you kidding me? <laughs> the ignorance that they have here, <laughs> like it's ever changed, you know, they, <laughs> they just happen to find some more, you know, they're constantly looking for these things, you know, and they find one and there's 12 other ones that they don't find. And, you know, once they find one, then uh, three of the other people get scared and move it to a different location and open up five different ones. And it just, it just perpetually keeps on going that way. You know, as long as there's, there's a, uh, an opportunity to make some easy money, then, you know, they're going to keep building tunnels and keep doing whatever they have to do to get their uh, kind of low-quality cannabis. It just surprises me how much uh, of an influx there is of this stuff into California, of all places, who has a really kind of almost an overabundance of great-quality uh, bud there. So, yeah, I don't know who but they sell this stuff But it's not staying here. See, that's the thing. Uh, is that doesn't stay here. It just, it's that's the just staging the area of the country. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, They're sending it to yeah. Illinois. Right. It's coming to you. That's what you get to <laughs> That's what you get to smoke on. That and the methamphetamine that they bring in along with it. Awesome. All right. Mm-hmm. That's a good news, huh? Yeah. Yep. So anyway, they got these guys. It was uh, it was pretty interesting. It was one of the longest ones they've ever found, these, one of these tunnels was. Uh, it had several unique features, the story says, um, it, it, that highlighted the traffickers' evolving approach to ferrying drugs over the, under the border under the border, um, the floor of the passageway, they put uh, tongue and groove wooden boards. So they, somebody who's had some tongue and groove uh, flooring skills going on in there. Um, and really? They, they call, I don't know, can you imagine hiring somebody? Hey, man, uh, we, we got to warn you, it's kind of unusual uh, circumstances. Are you down with that? You know, <laughs> and they said, you know, I can't imagine, you know. And then they pull out their gun and say, are you down with that? Sure. Right. Yeah, no problem. Your you wife know? and children are down with it. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Right. You know, that's kind of how they roll. Um, but that, it, the, the tongue and groove, uh, flooring, it served as a level service so they could put the cart and rail system through there. And, uh, there was also an underground room where they offloaded the cannabis. And they said, the story says the most unusual feature was that there was two tunnel branches that went off from it, which, uh, the authorities speculate that that was probably, and I think they're, they're probably right. It was really, uh, for alternate exit points in the case of surveillance, which I mean, anybody that's ever watched a chipmunk ever or any kind of critter like that could figure that out, <laughs> could figure that out really, really easily. Um, I know we, we chased little animals when we were kids and we were like, where the hell did it go? Here's the hole. I don't understand it. Well, it's because they're smart enough to understand that you make about three other holes and then you can get away when people are chasing you. And uh, evidently the Mexican uh, cartels and marijuana traffickers have figured this out as well. Um, big surprise. So, yeah, that's interesting. They're just going to keep finding these things and finding them and finding them and finding them. like they're getting near 80 that they found in the last four years or something. These tunnels, did it say how long they are? I mean, these are basically warehouses that are, like, located in San Diego County, but, like, you could spit on into Mexico, right? I mean, they're, like, right there. Well, actually, um, I think the story somewhere might have mentioned, I don't exactly know where it says how long they are, but some of these things can get pretty long. I mean, uh, this one, um, particular one in this story, I think was about 2,200 feet long. So what is that? Almost a half a mile. I mean, it's pretty decent. um, Yeah. I mean, these things are pretty elaborate. They. That's what that's longer than I was thinking. The one that we talked about, where they caught the thirty thousand tons or whatever, it was much shorter than that one. It was like right there on the border, but that's a ha- that's almost that's a half mile away from the border. So that's a that's a tunnel, dude. So you're building right. that. Yeah. You're building that. You're you're cutting under buildings, under roads, near sewer systems. Over, mm-hmm. I mean, 
that'd be right. it wouldn't be the easiest thing in the world to to do without no, no. killing yourself no yeah right? with tongue, tongue and groove flooring and railing and they have a rail car down there and these things are pretty elaborate i mean they have lighting and ventilation systems and everything you know they're pretty uh pretty amazing and uh it'll come out somewhere in uh in the states and then it'll go down underneath all that stuff into somebody's living room or kitchen you know in their house in uh on the tijuana side of the border I wonder, I wonder what kind of long-term like found, like building prop foundation problems, you know, geological issues it has to have these tunnels built like right under roads and, and all that kind of stuff. That's uh yeah, it certainly could pose some, uh, you know, future structural problems. That's, and there's I a mean, lot of are... them, dude. There's a lot of them down there. <laughs> there like, are. It's like, there I can imagine like a, like there's these dudes in one tunnel and there's like a tunnel five feet over that makes, you know, one turn in another direction. And <laughs> there's a lot of, <laughs> or they like run into each other one day. Like, yeah, oh, the hey, is open. We, we were building this. Nope. This is our, tu- nope. This is uh, that they start fighting over <laughs> whose tunnel. Yeah, they're get like, out of our tunnel. Hey. No, you get out of our tunnel. <laughs> yeah. This is our tunnel. Like, <laughs> we, we, we've got bigger guns and more meth. So, it's crazy. Speaking, speaking of meth, um, these stories don't um, don't mention anything about them bringing in other drugs. It's just is it, is it specifically a, a pot tunnel or or well, do they talk you know, about they say drugs? they th- they say that these are pot tunnels, but you know there's absolutely no difference in what you can bring in anything you want to bring over there. You can bring a big screen TV, or you can bring something more uh, daunting like uh, a pound or uh, a wheelbarrow full of meth. <laughs> I'm sure or people uh, trafficking. Yeah, for people, probably you a, could traffic undoubtedly a lot of people. Right, right. I mean, that's that's what I was wondering. I mean, you know, you you send these coyotes through the through the like desert and over mountains and stuff to bring people in when you could just you know <laughs> collect the money right there. All right, here you are, San Diego. Have a good time. Yeah, it makes you wonder why do they still <laughs> run across all that stuff? It's surveilled. They got night vision goggles. They can see them plain as day. They're like, okay, there's 26 more people running over there. Send out the big SUVs and turn the lights on, and you're going back. You know, you know, it's alto. You know, and then they take them back. And it, why don't they just all line up and get in the tunnel? Probably because the people that are running these tunnels. Um, it's not profitable for them to just be sending humans through there when they can send tons and tons of uh, shitty weed and, and methamphetamines through there, you know, probably True. like probably not an op- good opportunity cost for them. They're like, no, to, they, to, they need to, they need to figure out how to like vertically integrate these businesses. So they get, they get the, the people they're trying to send across the border to carry, to be their mules. Right. Right, mm-hmm. and the people go through the tunnels carrying the weed, and then once they're through on the other side, they hop into like a semi trailer and they take them to like downtown or something. I I don't know how it works, but you know, take them to Walmart. It may, it, and it may work. It probably does work like that sometimes. I'm sure that's your ticket. You know, like hey, um, awesome. you don't have to uh, you don't have to walk with coyotes through the desert and swim through rivers and stuff to get to America. You just have to walk back and forth through this half mile tunnel about a thousand times. And then you're good. And then you're good. <laughs> then you're, it's a trade-off. Yeah, it's a trade-off. It's like purgatory. Huh? Right, right, there right. Speaking of purgatory, <laughs> uh, Mark uh. Emery is still in purgatory. Um, he is in a correctional, a private cor- correctional facility. <laughs> <That> term. <laughs> um, I wonder what they're correcting in his case. Um, 
he's in a, um, a private jail, basically prison in uh, Georgia. And, um, he has started to receive mail, which, uh, he's really happy about. Um, he is applying for a job in the prison library and yard. Um, he says everyone there has to get a job. Pretty crazy, huh? Has to in a private jail. And that, that's how they work. Huh? So you go there and then you have to work for a private, private jail. It's very interesting. Um, yeah, but I'm um, sure you're treated considerably different in a private jail. Than you are in a factory? Yeah, definitely. I would think so, too. <laughs> like, you sleep there, you eat there, you piss them off. They can basically punish you in different ways other than firing you. Like, you have to keep your job, but they'll... Right. It, it's... it's a, um, And they don't pay... They don't... There aren't, like... I don't think that there's, like, It's, it's the just federal, like a juvenile correctional facility for adults. You know, where they force where, you to work, where they pay you, the, you have to pay them probably. Yeah. And the, the, well, they, whatever they're, whatever. And if they, some of these places sell products, I believe too, actually put products out that are sold. So they're profiting on a private market thing by using socialized workers through the correctional, you know, Slave labor. Yeah, right. <laughs> Pretty much. That's, that's what I'm. That's how I'm. And they don't, I don't think that like minimum wage applies or anything there too. I think they make, really really little amounts of money while they're doing this so um so he's uh but he has been um getting mail apparently he's been getting some sunshine too he's about to see his wife jody for the first time in like six ooh weeks la la. um yeah i don't know how much ooh la lying there is hey it's um, a private jail I, man you never know it could be bow chicka bow wow but they might be videotaping too for profit we'll see um <laughs> And, uh, yeah, so you can check out his website, www.freemarkmarc.ca. You can find all of the, uh, the stuff to mail him, mail him uh, letters or news or whatever if you want. Um, and, again, we're asking everyone to write their um, U.S. Their, uh, US House representatives or senators, uh, asking them to move Mark back to Canada so he can finish his term in Canada. Mm-hmm. That would be good. Yeah, uh, be very good. Yeah. That's an ugly and, thing, man. The feds are rotten sometimes yeah they move they're moving him around telling him one place putting him to other i you know there was no talk of him being in a private prison now he's in a private prison um you know i know they're very hopeful that they're going to get to move him back to canada um and i think it's going to take a lot of effort and a lot of uh uh, uh, you know, it's there's going to have to be a buzz created to actually get that to happen because I wouldn't, I, and I would guess that the feds really have no interest in guaranteeing him that. So, um, but we will see. Speaking of the feds, moving on to mm-hmm. national stuff, um, you got a fed fed story here, huh? What's this one? This is the one you're talking about with terrorism, right? Yeah, pot terrorist. Ooh, look out! See that guy with the joint? He may have an M60. <laughs> in a packet full of explosive material. Or so says the federal and state police that conducted their marijuana terrorism drill. Um, there, there's, there's an obvious uh, realistic uh, threat to dams. We all know that. Um, that's it's age old. That's before the whole Bush thing, you know, terrorist war against terror started and all that. We've always noted, known that that would be a prime uh, site for some sort of an attack uh, against the nation, against any nation for that matter. Um, dams are just a, a huge vulnerability um, to an area. Um, recently at the Shasta Dam, they did this scenario. It's a training drill. Um, it's it. 
they had where get this I, it's almost i had to read the story about nine times and i searched for other sources and other things to find out if this was really true because i thought it was just a joke or like something from the onion you know where they make up fake sarcastic stuff but this scenario had red cell pot grower terrorists blowing up a car and a bus to create a distraction and then taking over a dam they held three people hostages and then the terrorist pot growers threatened to flood the Sacramento River by opening the floodgates unless their imprisoned grower comrade is freed. What? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So uh, I guess somebody had the brilliant idea of, uh, you know, it's it's a it's a really a PR campaign. A yeah, who got part paid of, to write that? That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. A big part of any kind of uh, – uh, a war like this, uh, or any kind of a war in general, is the psyops part of it, and that because in that part of it is is really huge, a crucial aspect of it, and it comes down largely to PR. Who can who can sling this stuff the best? And they're coming up with some doozies lately, and trying to associate cannabis in negative ways. Obviously, cannabis had nothing to do with any threat to a dam, any threat to anything. They didn't go and use a past case to try to use for this to make it more realistic. They just thought that out because they thought it'd be a great idea to associate well, cannabis users get, with terrorism. And they see it, it's just one of yeah. those things that they get to keep doing. We were talking about it a lot last week. They just say shit. And then pe- so many people buy into it. So like anyone that can, a lot of people can catch wind of the story and then, and then start associating terrorists with, with m- people that work in the marijuana industry. And it's just, you know I mean? And now we'll have to, beat that back with a stick because they'll be like, no, you know, the next time the, the serious national debate goes on, they'll be like, aren't those people terrorists? And we're like, dude, that was just someone. someone just Didn't pot growers blow up a dam? I think so. they, yeah, I Phillips. thought that there was a hostile. I thought there was a hostile situation two years ago where where there was some pot grower trying to release a dam and to and flood all of Sacramento yep. and kill everybody in California. Didn't that happen? Yeah, that's a, inevitably the fallout from this type of misinformation or implication, as it will be. Um, the uh, Philip Smith from uh, Drug War Chronicle uh, said that it sounds like the plot to a very cheesy grade B thriller, and uh, I think <laughs> I think he sums it up pretty good there. He's right. That's uh, it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, Marijuana Policy Project had something to say about. It. They said this is a classic example of law enforcement's utterly inaccurate stereotype of of who is involved with marijuana. Mike Minos Mike Mino said this. He said for decades they have villainized users and people involved in the industry to such an extent that they now equate themselves with terror, or they now equate them with terrorists. Uh, it might be laughable, but it gives us real insight into the drug warrior mentality and what they think of marijuana people. It's really, it's it's really absurd and insulting, as uh, Keith Stroop of of Normal said. He said the whole idea that they would equate growers with terrorism is just absolutely absurd and insulting. It's just, it's just too ignorant to take seriously. And uh, you know, it's, it's. Uh, it's never, it's never a, a dull moment with these guys. Well, you know? well the, I mean, smoking, smoking or growing weed will definitely turn you into a terrorist. I mean, it will. It's, you, it make you, you, it'll make you soft. It'll make you soft. <laughs> you, 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 you know, you'll start thinking about stuff and you'll become soft and you won't want to, you know, like bomb third world countries to take their, uh, to take their natural resources well, anymore. And then you'll be no. soft. And then, then you're officially a terrorist, um, because you're soft yeah. because you're either with us or you're with the terrorist 
Right. Exactly. So being a pot grower, you're like becoming a member of the axis of evil. Just smoking. Go. It's That's, roll. That's right. <laughs> I just oh, said ridiculous it. I, news. Yeah. That's you pretty much one of those topics. Roll. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, ridiculous <laughs> news from the feds. But there's some good stuff coming down on a national level as well. Uh, like, check this little ditty. Uh, national Cannabis Industry Association. Awesome. You can't put the genie back in the bottle, says Pete Geither. He says, uh, cannabis is here to stay, and now the medical cannabis industry is becoming a major entity. Um, this little excerpt from the New York Times stated, it's, it's being called the Green Rush with more states moving to legalize medical marijuana, the business of growing and dispensing it is booming, as we've reported endless times on this program. Um, even as much as the re- as much of the rest of the rest of the economy is struggling, as we all are probably painfully aware of, um, it's amazing. Can a business is going through the? Have you ever seen an image of a rocket? You know, like where that's shooting up in the air and it's got this huge plume of flames behind it. And well, that's can a business right now. Um, so it's a great time to get on board. If you have the ability to, and uh, these folks, they want to make sure that it's uh, a safer trip for you along the way. Um, National Cannabis Industry Association, you can reach it on uh, CannabisAgenda.com. There's links to their site. Uh, there are links to the story as well as to their actual site. They want to be the national voice for the cannabis industry. And uh, sounds pretty cool to me. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty excited about having this uh, just another big step toward legitimacy. Um, is, I guess this is kind of an end run of sorts. Just uh, some people might call it simply just moving forward, um, you know, in lieu of the, the federal misinformation campaign. But and in, in, in a sense, it's kind of running around all that nonsense that the feds tried to do and all the misinformation and the demonization of cannabis in general. We're just saying, you know, you guys keep spewing your rhetoric. In the meantime, we're moving on. And it's only a, a, it's baby steps away from being such a big and, and, and legitimized industry that there's no possible way they'll ever be able to quash it. You know, so well, what, know, is, what this, is the main What's the main goal of an industry association like this? I mean, currently it seems like their only goal could be to protect the rights of people in the industry, which is what a big legal legal fund, basically, to to try and keep people. I mean, that's what I think. I would I would probably be best suited by by stating what in in their work their terms. And as I said, you can get their link on our site. Um, This Mm -hmm. is this is what the the national it's the NCIS or NCIA uh, says about themselves. They say the National Cannabis Industry Association was founded on the principle of power in numbers. Thousands of American businesses are involved in some fashion in the cannabis industry, yet they are often ignored at the federal level. These businesses collectively are a tremendous economic force and should have a voice on the national stage. We are that voice. NCIA publicly advocates for the unique needs of the emerging cannabis industry and defends against those aiming to eliminate the legal market for cannabis and cannabis-related products. Uh, NCIA is the nation's only industry-led advocacy group engaging in legislative efforts to expand and further legitimize the legal cannabis market in the U.S. And NCIA is the only national marijuana policy reform organization with a fully democratic process that allows its members to choose the board of directors through annual elections. So there. So it's like a lot. It's like a, a lobbyist, a lobbyist group we're forming for industry people, basically. It is kind of precisely. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Which is not. Yep. Which is different from what normal and MPP and Students for Sensible Drug Policy do, because they're basically 
they're basically always going towards uh, trying to work on on laws. This is this is mm-hmm. going to be for businesses, and and so they're talking about cannabis industry. Are they are they talking only specifically people that grow and sell marijuana? You think? Or are they talking about all sorts of like side shoot businesses as well? People that profit off the fact that there is a marijuana industry. Oh yeah, I would certainly assume they were talking about absolutely all all cannabis related industries. Um, on there, and you and you as a company have to choose to join this group then, or as a business um, or whatever. I would imagine, yeah, absolutely. You would have yeah. to be uh, choose to. I don't know why anybody wouldn't want to affiliate themselves with an organization of this type, but uh, yeah, you know, they're they're like, they're pretty like, new, so we'll see. Like so. this is something we could we could be, if we wanted to could become members of probably. You can. You can absolutely. Um, there's. They say there's benefits. Uh, this is the NCIA speaking about this. They said that there's benefits mm-hmm. of joining. Um, they say that joining the NCIA means being represented alongside other top businesses committed to building a strong and prosperous future for cannabis-based enterprises. The NCIA serves as the voice for this emerging industry on Capitol Hill and beyond. I don't know what the beyond part is. That's pretty dramatic. But uh, becoming Africa. a founding member. Yeah, yeah, dun 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 dun. It reminds me of Star Wars or something. You know, they're on the Death Star going, "Look, and this <laughs> is legitimate business." Taking bong, yeah. bong loads on the moon, we will be going beyond the federal government. Yeah, become a founding <laughs> member of NCIA today to build a bright future for the cannabis industry is what they say. NCIA uh, membership also includes several valuable discounts from participating cannabis industry partners. So that's uh, it's pretty interesting. It says uh, out of who can join, you can uh, medical cannabis patients, centers, dispensaries, specialized grow equipment manufacturers and retailers, smoking or vaporizing equipment. I think that would probably uh, involve blowers oh, as well, glass blowers, um, uh, retailers, um, medical cannabis testing facilities, marijuana-related publications and websites. <laughs> like us. Nice. Medical us. cannabis Trade schools, medicinal edibles, providers, the, the ice cream guys. I uh, hope they're in there because I'd love to get some samples of uh, some, you know, strawberry, whatever it was called. Uh, cannabis seed providers, uh, medical cannabis insurance providers, uh, which are popping up, believe it or not. Financial services companies, which are also popping up. People are uh, developing uh, financial services for credit cards and other things for dispensaries now. Catering to the cannabis industry. Um, legal professionals, medical professionals specializing in therapeutic cannabis, cannabis-related local or state trade associations, and on and on and on and on and on. Now, the, the, the price is... Uh, um, let me see. Regular membership, a thousand dollars annually, or a hundred dollar oh. monthly pledge. Um, that includes national representation for your business, listing in an association materials, and eligibility for member discounts. There's a sponsoring membership. Um, these are tiered memberships, obviously. Um, dues are twenty five hundred dollars annually, or a two hundred fifty dollar monthly pledge. Um, this preferred membership plan grants eligibility to vote in NCIA board elections and includes all. Uh, all the benefits of a regular membership as well. Sustaining membership is the grand poobah of membership opportunities uh, that the dues begin. It says hold beginning. Hold up, hold up, slow down, slow down. So to to vote, you have to pay for, the, you have to be in the sponsorship, the more expensive um, more yeah. expensive membership. Yeah, which, not which just I the think right, on its face which the first one's pretty damn expensive, crazy. really. I mean, that's $1,000. Like, we can't afford that. Right. Yeah, they should. Right. Ha- they should have like a bronze membership for you know like small puppies like us who can't afford a thousand dollars. And then I don't like that only the rich Regular people folks. get to vote. That's not that democratic to me. Well, I don't know. I mean, 
you you might not want to vote necessarily either. You know, like unless you have a unless. Oh, you're, I would. Well, and I can't afford. Yeah, I, I want I think bronze the bronze membership here. The idea here is I want, the, here is I want the, the swag membership, and I want <laughs> swag, my vote. Yeah, that's what they call it. Totally. I mean, I'll even take three fifths of three fifths of a person or whatever if that's what they want to do to me. But um, you know, I I don't know. I mean, that's just you know, it's it's, it's democratic, but it sounds it sounds like you got to be you know su- you got to be more successful to. I, mean, I think uh, that's how to, industry organizations typically work, though. That's yeah, how they yeah, work. That's the idea. Like, I'm sure. Yeah, if you have a vested nah. uh, interest in this, then you you've got the income that would you know twenty five hundred bucks would just be kind of easy easy going for you. Yeah. The sustaining memberships twice that. Actually, it's it says beginning at five thousand. It's a sliding scale. I don't know exactly know how that works. Based you on your on sliding scale and be like one percent or something. Probably based um, on your business's gross revenues or something like that. I would imagine so as well. Um, but, you know, and, and there again, it, it increases your interest in having this kind of representation at the federal level. You know, the more you, you're making and the more income you have and the bigger your can of business is booming. Um, it says that the, the sustaining membership plan includes eligibility to serve on the NCIA board of directors, access to exclusive industry events, high profile listing and association materials, and all of the benefits of the other memberships, of course. So, yeah, interesting stuff. That is we'll interesting. Yeah. Huh? show. Additionally, um, stopthedrugwar.org. Um, our friends there, David Borden and the others, Phil Smith and so on, um, they're uh, <clears throat> urging people. Um, they, they posted a national call-in alert urging people to um, contact legislature, federal legislators. Um, the National Criminal Justice Commission Act, if you're not familiar with this, it was put forth originally in 2009 by Senator Jim Webb. He's a Democrat from Virginia and 15 Republicans and Democratic co-sponsors. Um, they introduced this uh, National Criminal Justice Commission Act legislation that would create a bipartisan commission to review and identify effective criminal justice policies and make recommendations for re- reform. So what this really is, is this is a, this is a top down, fully or bottom up, whichever you want to. I don't know. I think it's about the same difference. Um, review uh, of our criminal justice system, which is absolutely pertinent or relevant to people that are uh, interested in pot laws, because that's something that we know um, in many ways is extremely flawed currently. And uh, when they do this full assessment of our criminal justice system, top to bottom, they're going to identify all these things. So, and they, it, it would allow them to make recommendations. It's not just going to be like, this is what's going on. Bam. The law is spoken and all these changes occur. But the, the, the significance of this is that this gets official language out there that says, look, we looked at this stuff and we see the problems and this is what the problems are. And whereas right now, a lot of people, well, nobody officially is talking about this stuff except folks like us, um, you know. So this is a this is a big deal. Um, they want you to call the so far the House of Representatives. And the Senate Judiciary Committee have passed the bill. It, it now has 39 Senate co-sponsors, but the bill still awaits final passage um, during the, the final few weeks of the congressional session this year. Um, if it doesn't pass this year, it'll have to be redone all over again. So we don't want to do that. We want to get this thing going. It's very important. I think for if you're an American citizen, regardless of your partisan politics or ideology, this is a positive thing for all of us. So they urge you, please call the following senators to ask them to prioritize and support Senate passage of the end. CJC Act, HR 5143 and S714 uh, this year. Um, you can get this information. Uh, it's right up there. We've got a link for it on our site, cannabisagenda.com. Um, Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid 
Um, they gave his phone number. It's 202-224-3542. Senate Majority uh, Minority Leader Mitch, Mitch McConnell. Um, he can be reached uh, at 202-224-3135. And uh, the two U.S. senators from your own state, you can call 202-224-3121. And uh, there's also on this page, if you want to look at it, there's a link you can click on to look them up yourself. If you call that number I just gave, they'll, uh, they'll be able to direct you to your two U.S. senators. And uh, they, they give some uh, recommendations, some suggestions for a message for when you call. Because I know we realize that a lot of people are kind of out of their element when they when they call a senator. Uh, even the state senators, people freeze up and don't know what to say. And they have this big thing they want to tell them. And then when they get them on the phone, they're like, um, and um. So, you know, they just give you a little bit of a... Uh, a suggestion like they say i am calling to ask the senator to prioritize and support immediate senate passage of the house passed national criminal justice commission act hr 5143s714 because and it has three different uh examples of reasons and you can read these they're they're very relevant reasons um I'll, I'll go through a couple real quick having a transparent and bipartisan commission review and identify effective criminal justice policies would increase our public safety absolutely true you can tell them that thing is because they're going to be like oh yeah and why and then you tell them why and write this down. That's legitimate vote. And the way they count fed in the federal level, if you, uh, I forgot the exact number, but like one person calling in about something is registered as I don't know how many thousand um, votes of support for it. And I don't know exactly even why they do. I guess it's, it's just because of the, the way the population is. It's, I don't know, some weird formula they use. So your call will definitely make a big difference. Um, you can look at a couple other suggestions of reasons why this is a good thing. So uh, it's, it's a comprehensive national review that's really, really, really important that we were, we're way behind the curve when it comes time to do. I mean, we should have done this a long time ago. It's, it's, it's really badly needed. So um, check that out on our website and hopefully you can give those people a call and let them know, you know, we want to, we want to get this thing rolling. Yep. And what's up with that in the East coast. What's up, with, what's, what's up on the East coast? What's going on in Jersey? It sounds like a messy situation. Well, so yeah, this is, uh, you know, the New Jersey, New Jersey assembly. Uh, well, we talked about, uh, New Jersey's medical cannabis law and how many problems they've been having, um, with, you know, it was so restrictive that it wasn't even functional. It's ridiculous. And Governor Chris Christie, he his administration is just, uh, the, he's one of those guys that doesn't really um, so much believe in, in medical cannabis. He's definitely not an advocate. And uh, they've been arguing about it for quite some time. Well, recently here, the New Jersey Assembly uh, voted against Christie's medical marijuana uh, rules. And uh, they're waiting for their Senate uh compadres to chime in as well uh, with the sim with similar support, but they've stalled in their efforts so far. They've delayed their uh, uh, action on this issue. Um, Scutari, Senator Nicholas Scutari, he's a Democrat from Union. He said uh, he pulled this item he sponsored from the agenda after learning he didn't have enough votes. Um, Senator Loretta Weinberg um, was absent and Senator Brian Stack, who really, uh, he informed him that he wouldn't vote. And he, that was very frustrating, Scutari says, because he, he's, he originally voted to get this legislation passed in the first place. And now he's him hawing around. He says he thinks it's really politics. You know, he's got some problems going on in his area that he wants to fix. He doesn't want to get on the bad side of the governor. 
So they're playing politics with people's health and well-being, which is ludicrous. And uh, what is his name again? Let me see. Brian Stack, a Democrat from Hudson. So if you are from New Jersey, please uh, call up Senator Brian Stack, especially if you're in the Hudson district, um, and let him know what's going on. That's absolutely unacceptable. And what a slap in the face to people to come out, to step out and, and boldly say, look, this is right and this should be done to help people. And then because of political interest, you know, him haw on the way you, you follow through. So, yep, we'll keep an eye on what's going on with New Jersey. Um, it's It looks like there's a potential for some positive changes to happen. The reason that all this uh, kind of uproar is occurring in the first place is just because the legislature that passed into this law wants to make it functional, and they realize that it's over-restrictive right now. So we'll keep an eye on that and uh, see how that goes from here. You know? Over restrictive. I don't know uh, the, the way they've written these things out there. I don't know that it'll ever get off the ground. I don't know how you can comply with that at all. Yeah. Seems, you know, seems like they wrote a rule that basically <laughs> keeps it out of their state to some degree. Um, you know, giving yep. mi- minimal rights to people. So, so they, that's what they're being up to on the taxpayer's buck, writing some fake ass laws. Um, speaking of fake ass laws, the DAA uh, plans to ban some fake ass pot. Um, this is interesting stuff. I don't know how this stuff keeps uh, keeps getting brought into the the limelight. Um, we've talked about this stuff too before. It's the they call it. I don't know why they keep calling it synthetic marijuana. Synthetic it's, marijuana. It's, it's not that. You know it's why? Other, it's for the same reason that you were talking about earlier. They just want to they want to connect marijuana with with like bad things. You know, like right. it's so evil. You know, like look at it's this is synthetic. This is what synthetic marijuana will do to you. Can you imagine if people were smoking real marijuana? Yeah. What I don't get is that um, real marijuana has actually been studied a whole lot more than this drug or this chemical that's just been synthesized in the lab. Has it not? Is this thing new? Indeed. And that's a big part of this whole argument. That's a very interesting point you brought up. Um, That's strawberry cough, everybody. Welcome back to the show, by the way. Thank you. This is is a, a very interesting thing because... Cannabis, well, we talked about on the show, we were unanimous saying, well, we don't think it's evil, but we think it's stupid. Why the hell would you ever want to smoke some synthetic stuff, especially when it says not for consumption? Don't do this. You know, it's just ridiculous. It's 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 all fake, nasty shit that shouldn't be in your system. And and if you want to smoke cannabis, it's probably uh, I would put my bet in anyway that it's 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 almost 100 percent likely to be. more healthy than this garbage is. But the, the issue here is people are, are not able to use cannabis because of the illegality of it. So they're choosing an alternative. So now they already have people trying to change and alter these substances in a way that where they can scapegoat the, or escape uh, the new laws that the DA is bringing. They want to make this a schedule one, by the way, um, they will actually in 30 days. Um, so, so they're, they're seeking an alternative to the alternative it's just ridiculous before long we're going to have alternatives to the alternative to the alternative of the alternative to because it's a molecule different or something like that yeah it's uh it's uh synthetic is what it's saying and uh well there's it's it is synthetic but it's not actual thc yeah it says it's chemically similar and i think it's made in china actually did it say that? Right. Well, well, here's what it is more specifically. Um, I believe it's JWH018, JWH200. Um, there's other, at least these are the chemicals that are in this substance that the uh, uh, feds have targeted. They're also targeting chemi- chemicals called JWH073, CP47497, and cannabis. 
bisiclohexanol. So wow. those are chemicals <laughs> that they think this, that these people would move forward and try to make alternatives to the alternatives with the ones that you just mentioned after the main two, right? They're not right. actually. So they're already thinking forward and trying to stop that before they even start it. Oh no no no! The ones I just listed uh, were actually on the ban li- on the bad list. Right, and but are they are- in the K two slash spice? Like, how many of those are actually in that? Yeah. Are they? Those yeah, are all. all- all yeah, those, those are already are being used for, for those K2. are all in that, but like you said, they're going to change like a minor like molecule here or there, and that that technically makes it a different substance. And then they'll they'll keep. Uh, they've already had some of these things happening with people making changes and so forth. And lo and behold, Senator Orrin Hatch, Republican of Utah, surprise, sent a sent a letter um, this month to to Leonhardt, who we talked about, the director of the DEA, asking for this stuff to be banned. And uh, he said that the use of the substance was reaching epidemic proportions in his state because i don't know i guess everybody in utah likes smoking fake bud i have no idea because they can't find real bud because they're scared shitless to get anywhere near real bud yeah that's probably um a good uh, portion of the the formula does anybody know how much it's selling for i'm just kind of curious i think it's uh sells for close to yeah it's expensive like regular weed okay yeah which makes it even more ignorant yeah Um, that's kind of interesting Yep. Yep. So that's uh, interesting stuff going on with the feds. You know, um, a lot of states, I think 15 states, including Illinois. I didn't know that this, I knew that Illinois was talking about banning the stuff, but evidently they had banned it. It was kind of an iffy thing the way it looked. Um, I was like, well, it doesn't seem like it's banned and the local places around me are still selling it. How's this working out? Well, I come to find out that what they did is they banned it, but they they like postdated the ban. So the ban doesn't happen until the first of the year. So I guess that gives time for people to get rid of it or whatever the deal is. So yeah, it's uh I guess none of these state by state bannings is going to make any difference anymore because <laughs> so the f- get your K2 before New Year's, huh? Oh yeah, cuz yeah, Ugh. please don't don't offer me any cuz I'm not interested. I don't care if it's legal. Um do we have any clips? I thought we had a clip or something about this stuff. Yeah, or? you know, we'll we'll just uh, they're listed if people want to check them out. They're all the same. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So you can check those out. As, as always, if you're hearing this, you can find it on our site right now. Um, this is a this is a a goofy story and a bad story and a not so positive story, but it, it by any means is better than the next one to follow. Um, here we go again, guys. Guilty by association. I'm so sick of these guilty by association impl- impl- implications. Um, and yet we have another one. It's a very unfortunate story. There's a doctor down in Winter Haven. Um, I believe Winter Haven, Florida, I would presume. Um, he's been having some serious problems, some mental problems going on. He's uh, been hospitalized under, under guard after deputies say he choked his wife. He threatened to shoot several other doctors at a clinic where he worked. He's had uh, some big problems going on, and it's unfortunate. And I feel bad for this individual. Obviously, he's an accomplished, intelligent person. He's a he's a he's a full fledged physician. He's a doctor. Well, it doesn't say in any way did this did this was this caused by cannabis. Didn't say that he was a frequent cannabis user and he did all these things. And it was you know he threatened to cut to hurt his wife, and he said he'd cut off her fingers. If she told uh, any physician about their problems, um, you know, a lot of stuff that just indicates that he's been he's having a mental breakdown. And he's having some some serious, uh, you know, mental issues that he needs to deal through. You know, that's an illness and that's some problems that he needs to deal with. But no way does it say that it was caused by cannabis or anything like that. But it says officers say the wife opened a personal safe inside their home where investigators recovered guns and you guessed it. 
73.5 grams of marijuana. So there you go again. You know, it, it, it's, it's like, like I said, it's like being in a court case when you're not supposed to enter information in because it's not relevant and it's not uh, connected in any legitimate way to the issue that you're discussing. And then they immediately object and the judge says abstained and then they go withdrawn, withdrawn. But by that time, they already got the information out there and it's in people's heads. So this is just one right, time. Right, because marijuana may make you crazy. It right. May. See, that the lead title, this is the, the heading of the story. Investigators recovered guns and marijuana in safe inside doctor's home. And then they go up to explain how this doctor was just going off the rails and crazy and psycho. Which, and of course, right. Which know, the story is him being losing his marbles, not the. We're not and, saying. We're not saying I mean, that marijuana. Cause this. I mean, it we'll sounds like, you know, like a butter knife could have been a bad, a pretty crazy weapon for this guy. Like, you know, he could have taken a butter knife sure. and sawed off his wife's fingers or whatever. Sure. So and the bottom line is obviously he's having some serious difficulties, some serious uh, mental psychological difficulties, you know, that, happens, that may that be caused by marijuana. Well, you know what? We're not saying that. We'll just leave <laughs> that up to you. And, uh, no, but that's what they're saying. That's what they right. say. That's right. that's the reason. I mean, that's the reason why they they always throw marijuana in there is because it it may turn you into a psychotic killer. It doesn't we're matter how it accomplished you are, uh, but it may. Uh, but we're just leaving that up to you because you know yeah. you can you can go you can make that connection that we've kind of pre built for you to automatically make. Yep. Bummer deal. I'm sick of this. And the reason I keep uh, con- uh, continue to include stories of this, this um, type into our program is because it's very important that we let our listeners know and get uh, aware of this. Because the more you're aware of how these things go, the next time you see one of these, uh, I- I'm, I'm, I'm certain that uh, a number of our listeners sometime in the near future are going to run across one of these stories and instantly think, you know what, there's another one of those things. I wish they'd stop doing that. You know, and they can speak out if they want to. This is not necessarily a call to action, but right. You know, they didn't I mention think, how much booze was in his liquor cabinet, you know, right. or how they much like, anything else. You know, the guy was on an absolute sugar high, flipping his lid because he just ate three boxes of Twinkies. They didn't and he has that. asbestos in his attic. You know, I mean, it doesn't it doesn't get into any any other. And he's sort been of, drinking the groundwater. That's a right? great example, as a matter of fact. So what if the lead, the lead of the story said um, doctors find or authorities find, uh, let me see here, investigators recovered guns, guns, uh, and, and in a house with, with uh, asbestos. And formaldehyde and um, or a wet bar, also a house bad with a wet bar, water and no, no, no Brita filter. Right. <laughs> so you see how that works. You're automatically going to be it's there's an association that's there. It's not just an inadvertent, you know, accidental thing. And uh, just uh, I just encourage our listeners to please keep your eyes open to the stuff like that. I'm sure I don't uh, uh, by any means um, even remotely attempt to us insult your intelligence. I'm sure that uh, most of our listeners have been privy to these types of things before. But just in case, you know, I just want to uh, kind shine a spotlight on that kind of ridiculousness because that's how think something so benign and helpful as cannabis can get so demonized that's how this stuff works and uh, that's a social psychological uh, approach to to changing people's opinion and as long as you're aware of it you're you're not you're not so susceptible to falling into that trap um yeah it's uh speaking of traps looks like willie nelson got busted in a trap again huh 
Oh, big giant bear trap. Yeah, they he got had, him again. This he had quite the little stash on him too, didn't he? He, he like, did. I was, well, I was, uh, it was, I was in the bus, right? How do you even? How do you bus people? I mean, right? He had a bus full of bandmates and roadies and stuff too, right? I mean, so yeah, how he had they, six. Uh, six. It was Friday morning. It was in Texas, so you know, big surprise. Uh, he was stopped at nine in the morning, so you can imagine that. Um, at a border patrol checkpoint in Sierra Blanca. Um, that's when he was uh, detained. The officer smelled some cannabis um, when the door opened, probably because they were puffing seriously tough for a while. That was a Willie Nelson wake and bake he, he caught whiff, whiff of. Um, <laughs> according to uh, Bill Brooks, the spokesman for the border patrol, and an ensuing probable cause search turned up the weed. Um, and Nelson, you know, Willie Nelson's a great guy, he's, but he's 77 years old now. I didn't realize that, you know. So here they are harassing this old guy, you know, he's not hurting anybody. And they, they, of course, charged him with possessing. Uh, he had six ounces of cannabis, and I'll bet your ass it wasn't coming through any tunnel in Mexico. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, this, uh, uh, there's been songs written about I'll never smoke weed with Willie again for good reason. So I don't know what they did with those six <laughs> ounces, but, man, that'd be a great prize. Um, so what was the, the probable cause? Was the smell of marijuana or just the they fact that it, it was yeah. Willie Nelson? Yeah, it works with, well, that was the impetus behind, you know, the drive-by. You know what? You know, Cops say that all the time. They say they smell marijuana, and they don't. Yeah, you know, they just say it's just it. like the dog. The dog triggers. You know, there's a lot of things that, that give them probable cause um, via the, you know, according to the law. And one of them is a dog triggering. If the dog signals that there's narcotics, then, you know. But there's there, the, the intimate connection between uh, an off, a canine officer and his dog, his, his, his canine partner, is just, oh. There's a, there's, it, you'd be hard pressed to find a closer connection. These guys know every little nuance of each other's emotions and everything, and they need to to keep each other's alive and you know legitimate police uh, encounters that they they you know go through day to day. But as such, they're. This is the smallest little notion of, of, you know, they can indicate the dog to uh, or instruct a dog to false indicate. And, and, you know, it's widespread allegations that that happens. I don't know. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. Put it that way. I got that from our leap officer I interviewed a couple of shows ago. He said, I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I thought that's a great way to put it. But, uh, yeah, it, it's very simple for them to do that. And if they get a, a false thing, uh, indicator, then that's their probable cause to search your whatever they're at, house or vehicle. And it works the same way with the smell. I mean, who can, who said, what are you going to do? Drag them into court and go, I don't believe you really smelled it. Yeah, actually they do, Jamie. I've known someone that, that, um, that was how they got let off of a charge. Um, they, they're cause cops have one, at least audio recording of most times they pull people over to a lot of times video. So a really good attorney will study the video of an arrest and of the, the dog's actions. And sometimes they'll be able to go see right there. He, he told the dog, he made a, he told the mm -hmm. dog to do something and the dog reacted and yeah. cases do get thrown out based off Absolutely. of that. Well, alone. That's a visual one. Yeah. For that one, that's a visual one, but I mean like the smell thing. I mean, how are they going to say, you know, I don't believe he smelled it. You know, they look at the video and go, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, nope, I didn't see your nose twitch at all, man. It didn't well, look like you're sniffing. Nothing. Well, that's the thing that sucks. Any cop could be like, I smell pot. How in court are you going to prove that there was no smell of pot? Even if there is no smell of pot, then they, the cops like I smell pot. And then they get the, you know, then they have the right to search you, but there's no way that you can prove whether or not that cop actually ever smoked, smelled pot. The burden of proof is on you, not them. 
It's not for sure. Uh, I don't, for sure. I mean, it's, it's a in a sense it, it really a is a trap. Tester. What? <laughs> yeah, what? it really is a potential trap. You know, like you said. I mean, the way that they that, that that's uh, set up, it kind of it's just it it's just kind of dependent on which cop wants to spring that trap on somebody or not. And, uh, and unfortunately, it sucks Nelson it's got only marijuana. In. They're not like, hey, I smell cocaine. You know, I smell <laughs> right. cocaine. Damn, it smells good too. I mean, it's only with pot that they can say they smell it, so they can use it. Anytime they suspect someone's a stoner, they can be like, "I smell pot. I want in your car. Right. I want in your tour I bus." I don't know what the outcome of this case will be, but uh, Nelson was booked into the Hutspeth County Jail on twenty five hundred dollars bond, which he posted in like New York second, probably. Um, and then they uh, were back on the road, headed headed to Austin, which is the pretty much the safe haven. On the road again? (laughs) (laughs) I think they should just leave Willie Nelson alone. Me too. There's two of us. Let's start a movement. I'm I'm down with you. Let Willie smoke. Let Willie (laughs) smoke. Let Willie Willie take as much weed anywhere he wants to go. Willie Nelson can do whatever Willie Nelson wants. Let's just hey, leave just, it at that. I mean, uh, all the the more they harass Willie Nelson, the more uh, the more people people wake up to. They're like, why 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 don't they just leave Willie alone? Let that guy do what he wants. I mean, because people <laughs> love him, dude. Like you know, regardless of their their viewpoints of marijuana, there's and, you know. There's, at this point, he's so good-natured about it. He probably was, you know, obviously he knows that that's an irritant and it's unnecessary and it's ridiculous and it's a pain in his ass. And they took his buds, but I mean, he, I don't know he. I'm sure that Willie Nelson has no shortage of buds whatsoever. It, it comes with the territory of being Willie Nelson, I think, getting Absolutely. a buzz pulled over and busted. Because I think it happened like not less than a year ago. It did. It did. He got caught with like a pound and a half then, and some <laughs> other and some mushrooms and other stuff. Mushrooms. Too, so. Do you yeah, think he's totally. actually stressing as that cruiser's pulling away, or is he laughing? Probably he's probably laughing, just chuckling. Yeah. Right? He's like, okay, I think, here yeah, we I go. I think he again. has a natural stress, but he's yeah, he's laughing. He's good natured about it. He's like, whatever, you know. I've been through seventy-seven years of this life, and his life is a serious life. And I've known some people in the past that used to party. He used to own this gigantic uh, golf course down in Texas, and. uh Man, they would go to parties there, and I heard some stories that were just wow. Talk about living what? rock star crazy, you know. So Willie at this was point, born, he's but when like, weed was still legal, he was yeah. born. When weed was still legal. He was born when the dime cost a dime. Yeah, it didn't <laughs> even cost. Yeah, literally a dime, ten cents dime. Yep, absolutely. Yep. But he's gonna yeah, not we, like it when he does jail time for this eventually, especially with some with six ounces in Texas. I mean, that's, nah, nah, nah. nah. No nah. judge is gonna throw Willie Nelson in jail. So the bus was stopped at a checkpoint. They, is that yeah, what is that yeah. what the story is? Okay, so was like, did smoke just come billowing out of the bus when the driver rolled down his window? How does this work? I mean, they don't come it, aboard. Well, I smelled it, but you know, you know, as good as as any of us on the program here, if you have quality of that. You know, or cannabis of that quality, just right. a little bit, you right. can smell it forever, which we we revel in. It's a fantastic uh, aspect of the plant, but unfortunately, it also indicates to police officers that you're enjoying something that you know they're predisposed to not allow. Yep, that's what's up, man. But like I said, no shortage of bud for for Willie. I'm sure he's got more than those six ounces replaced by now and laughing at those jackasses for causing him the little setback. Um, No shortage for for Willie Nelson. Unfortunately, that's not the case in Hawaii, from what I understand. Um, Lawmakers seek answers right now to medical marijuana shortage that's going on. I think we have a clip for this. Can we, uh, am I correct? We do. 
top state lawmakers are looking for ways to make more medical marijuana available, especially to people in urban areas who can't grow their own. KITV4's Daryl Huff joins us to explain their difficult choices. Daryl. Laura, the challenge facing the legislature is how to get medical cannabis to more patients without encouraging growth of the black market. Lobbyists for marijuana dispensaries say the answer is high technology. This multi-camera video from a Colorado marijuana store proves the point. Three burglars manage to get into the store, but they can't get out through the security door. They are trapped until police, responding to alarms, save the marijuana and capture the burglars. The dispensary model is really a safety model. Ty Darnell represents a number of Colorado dispensaries, including one made up of Hawaii residents who grow and sell in Colorado. Their operations are monitored by video cameras tied online to law enforcement, which also has instant access to the books. So at any time, the medical enforcement division can go in and look at all the accountings. And what it does, it just eliminates any black market potential. Contrast that to Hawaii's decidedly low-tech medical marijuana supply system, mostly grow your own, with thousands of growers feeling harassed by both police and thieves. It also makes it difficult to patients in urban areas to get marijuana legally. There are some patients, I'm told, who are getting their medical cannabis on the black market, and <laughs> thus that drives the criminal element, and that's what we want to avoid and eliminate. Public Safety Chairman Willis Sparrow says he'd like to know more about the security systems in Colorado, like the one that caught the burglars, because he says fear that criminals would dominate dispensary businesses is a major concern. And he says his colleagues don't want to rush this decision. Many of our legislators want to proceed with caution. Sparrow said he's pretty sure lawmakers may change the law to allow caregivers who are now allowed to grow for only one other patient to supply more people. Another idea is to have the government grow and distribute, but he admits very few government bureaucrats are any good at growing pot. Laura. Mm -hmm. All right, thanks, Daryl. Yeah, nor would that idea probably fly in that state. Um, it's, uh, it's not exactly a pot-friendly state. Um, it's, it's a darn shame because Hawaii is uh, world-renowned for, for producing some of the greatest bud on the planet. Um, they have a, a medical marijuana legislation that's been passed, but uh, it's, it's, they've having some internal problems with it, for sure. Yes, and some of the weed has is, is, is been... Did you hear that guy? <laughs> ...on the black market, and uh, that's what we want to stop. Um, yeah. <laughs> Simon Bar Sinister says, stop it. <laughs> I mean, if, you know, the problem here. I am not here, a crook. <laughs> the problem here is that there is nowhere to buy weed legally in Hawaii. So basically, anytime you purchase it, it's purchased on the black market. So uh, moving forward, we might want to figure out how to, like, sell weed legally in the state of Hawaii. Could be a good idea. Could be a good idea. <laughs> it could be. Yeah. Well, those uh, those that can get cannabis um, for medicinal use in Hawaii are having a big problem now because they're still arresting patients for some reason. Um, as of June of 2000, Hawaii passed SB 862 HD1, which made Hawaii the first state whose legislature, as a uh, legislature as opposed to voter initiative, um, legalized marijuana for me uh, medicinal use, which is. Kind of crazy because uh, they have a legal, uh, they have legislation, statewide legislation, but they, for somehow, for some reason, well, actually, I know the reason. I'll uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But uh, 
they they keep uh, arreg- uh, arresting uh, registered me- medical marijuana patients. Um, it's pretty bad, you know. Once a patient's been issued a valid registry card in Hawaii, they're supposed to be legally permitted to grow, possess, transport, and use marijuana for medical purposes. Um, the the patients and and their primary caregivers, for that part, um, are are led to believe that they can they have a right to an affirmative uh, defense to criminal prosecution, which is pretty much what they would expect in any law, any state that has a statewide uh, medical cannabis legislation. That's the primary number one uh, purpose of those, those, those that legislation, that type of legislation. Um, However, in Hawaii County, patients complying with the law is written and possessing the state issued uh, blue cards, as they call them in, in Hawaii are regularly being arrested and prosecuted for as little as one gram of marijuana. Um, the reasons that they register is that they want to comply and be legal. And they certainly do not expect to be arrested as long as they jump through the hoops that the state tells them they need to do in order to achieve that type of, of uh, immunity from being prosecuted. But the exact opposite has occurred, and it's really a bad scene in Hawaii. Um, I know we have some friends there. Apuna Butter is one of them that pops up right away. If you're listening to this um, episode, please uh, give us a a shout and let us know a little bit more um, inside scoop about what's going on there. Uh, We know that Hawaii County has over 5,000 legal medical marijuana cardholders. A lot of them uh, in Hawaii with valid cards and within the legal limits have not only been arrested and prosecuted, but they've been convicted for promotion of a detrimental drug. So it's really kind of an ugly underlying scene going on there. Um, basically what happened is the state has entrapped them by issuing the license with a copy of the rules and law. The state then denied them the affirmative defense that they're led to believe they would get. And they were convicted of a drug crime. The same as basically anybody else that would be caught with marijuana. And uh, it's pretty it's pretty nasty uh, process that they're going through over there. Um, most are are arrested for transporting it, and the judges in Hawaii County have upheld that as it's not covered by law, and have denied them their right to an affirmative defense as allowed by the law. And uh, it's pretty nasty. the The NED. <laughs> what what is? I think the NED is the Narcotics Enforcement Division. There, they. Uh, they have they have their website that that points out things you know the the issues that people want they have kind of a Q&A thing on their website um it says well this is a couple examples it says uh, question where can i obtain medical marijuana and it goes along you know it says a few other things but the highlighted part here the hawaii state uh the hawaii's law states however that the acquisition possession cultivation use distribution defined as only the transfer of marijuana and paraphernalia paraphernalia from the primary caregiver to the qualifying patient or transportation of marijuana for medicinal use is specifically protected. And uh, on another question, it says, what should a patient do if stopped by the police and accused of possession of marijuana? And, and their answer says, politely show the officer your medical use of marijuana patient registry card. They may then contact the Narcotics Enforcement Division to verify your registration and let you go on your way. What it doesn't say is, but likely they'll probably jack you up and take you to jail against, uh, I don't know, against all reasonable, uh, I don't know why they would do that, actually. Um, they, well, this is kind of kind of what the problem is. Um, and I don't know, have you been following uh, Hawaii very much, Pot? 
Not so much. No. I mean, you know, with what we do on the show, but I mean, I know that they've considered uh, dispensaries several times over the past few years and kind of keep backing off of it. And that's from a, from the legislator's perspective, it's not voters deciding on it. It's been legislate legislators talking about it and then backing off of it. Um, but like you said, I know that they can acquire it from their caregivers um, but no one there is just opening up dispensaries and, and, and saying, hey, well, it says we can do this. So that has not happened there because um, it's a small place, you know. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I have not I have not been following it to the point of other than reading whatever Puna Bud sends us and, and uh, kind of my semi firsthand knowledge from being there years ago and spending some time there. Um, well, Here's a few of the the other issue, uh, little kind of not so subtleties of the of this issue going on there. Um, there, there there's currently no legal place um, in Hawaii to purchase medical marijuana. Um, nope. Patients or their caregivers are allowed to grow medical marijuana only for the patient's private use, but no provisions for a supplier source. And under the law, the physician must work with the Narcotics Enforcement Division. To get this which oversees the medical marijuana program. <laughs> so, so therein lies the problem. Unlike most other states, Hawaii's medical marijuana pro, uh, program falls under the State Department of Public Safety, the people who run law enforcement, prisons, and jails, not the State Department of Health. Um, the problem is that the, the NED and their police, Hawaii uh, HPD, are charged with... Um, running and monitoring this program. They're the ones that are, are controlling it. The people that don't believe in it and don't want it to exist are the one. It's it's literally the fox in charge of the hen house. So, yeah, it's a pretty bad situation that's going on over there. Um, it, they they talked to uh, somebody in this article, um, Major Susan Dowsett from the HPD, and this is what this is what she said. Believe it or not, uh, I'm sure they had to tell her that she was being interviewed. I mean, she had to know that they were asking her this question that they were going to repeat it and let people know what she said. But still, for some reason, she had the audacity to say, and I quote: "HPD is against the legalization." decriminalization, and medical use of marijuana. Um, and she, she heads the Honolulu Police Department Narcotics Vice Division. And uh, HPD, she goes on to say, or actually she didn't say this, but uh, the story says that HPD doesn't receive funding to enforce the medical cannabis program. But it does get, however, 100000 to 250000 annually for marijuana enforcement and eradication. <laughs> So how this happened that these individuals, that's like calling up Steve Cooley and saying, hey, can you call up Mark Sauter and you two can get a, get a, you know get your heads together and write some marijuana legislation for us? I mean, what on earth are they thinking? How did this happen? I don't know. But uh, it's, uh, it's a bad scene going on in Hawaii, for sure. For sure. And I was just thinking about how great it'd be to move there and enjoy some serious Hawaiian buds. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing that really sucks that, I mean, in every state where there's medical marijuana, uh, patients' rights are somewhat protected, but it's up to the cop. And then you have your affirmative defense, like you were saying. So mm -hmm. you can be arrested and you can go to court and pay your attorney and try and prove in court that you had a legal right to possess as much as you had. It's sad to see that they're still arresting people for very small, just amounts of marijuana. Graham. Just for the patient's use, you know, I mean, all these states have 
all 15 states still have the issue of dealing with, well, okay, so there's marijuana that patients can have. Well, that means they're someone has to produce it and someone has to sell it and someone has to transport it and they don't protect the rights as much of, of those people. But in most States you see the patients for small, small possession stuff, having their rights protected. And that's, it's, it sucks to see that in Hawaii, they're still dealing with, with both issues from the supply and then to the consumption end, um, you know, being persecuted by, by law enforcement. It's, uh, For sure. And can you believe no other state has it where they're, and rightfully so, um, has it to where they're, the law, enfor- the law enforcement has control of this, the, the system, has control of their, uh, their program, their medical cannabis program. And they don't believe in it. And they're outspokenly, uh, they're, they're out, you know, outwardly stating that they don't think it, ex- it should exist and that it's a real thing. And they're charged, they're the ones charged with making this functional and work. I don't, what a conflict of interest. It takes conflicts of interest to a whole new height for me. It's a crazy thing going on, you know, that's a, that's a unique kind of uphill battle. I don't know how you were. It's all uphill. And it's just that there's a, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know if the law itself gave, that's who gave the jurisdiction to the what you said, the public uh, department of public safety. Um, yeah, but the police uh, actually. Yeah. Right. Um, but, uh, I mean, those are things that need to be changed and it, that, that takes a, you know, that takes a, a grassroots movement of people to step up and try and make those changes. Um, mm-hmm. so, um, you know, I don't know, people are pretty laid back there, man. And, uh, you know, it's yeah. not, uh, I mean, the, it's not one of their agenda items. It would be it would be really really nice to to see patients uh, stop being persecuted for a gram of weed. I mean, leave those people alone. You know, it's re- absolutely ridiculous. I recently had some police officers uh, from uh, I won't say the city, say here in Illinois, that uh, told me in confidence that their their bosses told them. Um, that they have they have gotten a reply from the local county jail and the in the criminal justice system that said do not and they didn't say we would rather you didn't or one of those kind of false half ass statements like Holder said in the Fed but they said flat out do not send us anybody for two and a half grams of pot or less because we won't prosecute them period so don't do that like like as a direct order don't waste our time and resources trying to do this cuz it's not going to go anywhere and you're going to be you know literally wasting our time and resources if you try to prosecute that and yeah it's uh it's insane to think that Illinois seems so strict well really really overly strict and draconian and somewhere like Hawaii would would be in that situation bummer deal bummer deal for sure yeah anyway. what's uh what's going on in Battle Creek Michigan this is uh this is the, the they're trying to move forward with the dispensaries there, right? In Michigan. Well, this is the problem. Um, actually, it's not as good. It's not as good as it might sound. Um, so you see, back in as we all know, in two thousand eight, uh, the state of Michigan passed their statewide uh, medical marijuana legislation. Um, it says the and the state may say that that it's legal there, but Battle Creek, um, a city of about fifty thousand people. Um, intends to ban the dispensaries by restricting their zoning and licensing. This is kind of like the Marijuana Tax Stamp Act that kind of de facto made things illegal. It didn't on its face when you read it, but it's impossible to do what they say in the law so that it de facto becomes impossible to do. The city's proposed rules in this case uh, would require clubs to obtain a city license and not allow marijuana to be grown, distributed, or used on site. So, I mean... Mm -hmm. 
What good? How is a dispensary functional if it can't allow anything to be grown, distributed, or used on site? I mean, that's kind of what dispensaries do. I mean, they can maybe grow it off site, but I don't know. Some of them don't, I guess, allow you to use on site. But distribution is what they're about. They that's why you have a dispensary, right? To go to go there and get your medical cannabis. Sure. It's like they're saying you can open the store but you can't sell anything out of it. Ha ha. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's ate <laughs> up. The the clubs could only offer support services and would be limited to certain commercially zoned areas as well. Um, Maggie Perrin, she runs a Serial City Compassion Club um, that opened last spring, said, this will sh- shut us down. She said, I know there has to be regulations, but to prohibit us from dispensing meds from helping patients, that's what we don't want because obviously that's what they're there for in the first place. It's a ridiculous thing, a, a ridiculous state of affairs going on in Battle Creek. But, you know, the whole Michigan state law is kind of creates confusion. There's a lot of stuff going on in uh, Michigan right now. Um, I, I, I shy strongly away from the whole battle, battle site, battle zone. It's a battleground for new legislation. I don't like that whole battle thing. I mean, but really it's, it's, it it kind of boils down to being somewhat of a battle between people that's really not necessary in the first place. Um, the voters passed this initiative. Um, I think it didn't get like 63% of the vote. It did. And, uh, it won in a majority of all 83 of the counties in their state, you know? Sure. So, but then you come back to, you come back to the issue of, well, did that 63% vote on them wanting a full on out in the open pot industry where there's dispensaries and everything else, or were they simply protecting the rights of the most sick? You know what I mean? And it's, it's, right. I mean, it, it's a valid, it's a valid argument from people that, that don't like pot, but it, it, it and it's, it's it something is. that you can't tell. You don't, we don't know what they're, we don't know what the voter, when they voted yes for legalizing medical marijuana in Michigan, we don't know if it was because they wanted, you know, 20 year old men to be able to smoke pot legally, or if it was because they were simply trying to protect the rights of people that are very sick and, and nearly dying to be able to use marijuana, um, you, you just can't, you can't, you Such know, as the case the in, uh, out in of Montana. That. Right. Yeah, in exactly. Montana, they were led to believe that, I don't know how, but somehow they said they led to believe that it was going to be coming through a pharmacy exclusively to extremely uh, sick or ill people that were like basically on death's edge. Which, well, I mean, I you know, know, when we try and legalize, when we try and get these initiatives passed in states, that's what we talk about, the most mm-hmm. sick. The, mo- the people that need it the most. We're not talking about people with migraines and, and, and sh- shoulder right. pain. We're talking about people with AIDS and cancer and MS and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So when you, you know, it's, it's, you know, there's the PR battle again, when you're getting people to vote on these things, that's what you're, you're wanting them to think about. So some of them do go to the, go to the polls and vote with that on their mind. And then later on, I would imagine once, if, if, a, you know, an out in the open pot, industry booms in their state they're like yo this isn't what i was this isn't what i thought i was voting on it has to happen you know um Mm -hmm. so that's what's that's what's so conflicting about it to to some of these people and these i mean there's probably people and trying to stop this in battle creek that, that support medical marijuana but don't want don't obviously don't want this method of, of medical, medical marijuana. But here's the thing is, is if you, if you have people using a, any sort of consumer, any sort of product, it has to be produced, 
transported and sold. And we just keep getting back to the same things again, where it's like, mm-hmm. no, no, it doesn't. No, marijuana can magically just appear in everyone's pockets and pipes and put it in your mm-hmm. pipe and smoke it. It'll be there. No, it has to go through the same process that any other product does. And uh, it's like we want to it's like it's like lawmakers and people in these cities want to want to just pretend like that's not the case. And, and it, it, it is. It ha- I mean, you know, it's just like everything else. So um, that's where we're, we're still at. Uh, the, the, the patient's rights in Michigan are being, you know, are, are being upheld fairly well. Like you can. You can, as a, as a patient, you can possess your marijuana, but how do you get it? You know, and they're trying mm-hmm. to get it. I mean, they're trying to get it on this thing where, uh, it's like your, your care provider, um, that's who your one grower grows it for you and then, and then can legally sell it to you, but you can't have some sort of marketplace for it. That's, and this is the battle that Michigan's in. Right. And, and then this is the battle that California's in still too. I mean, um, it sounds like in battle Creek, they want to zone it out, which, um, mm-hmm. other industries in the United States have, we, we've allowed them to be through land use zone, like through zoning regulations, basically get them out of like strip clubs, porn shops, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. We've, we have allowed areas to write zoning laws to force those businesses out of their areas. So I imagine, I imagine that they're going to be allowed to do this. Of course, medical cannabis dispensaries should be wrapped into because they're, you know, hideous places where well, they're taboo well, to a lot of people. <laughs> they are. They are. I mean, you, are. you can, you know, we, we don't feel like the connection between, between, you know, a vibrator and, and some weed is the same thing or, or a pornographic film is the same thing, but some people do, you know, right. to some people weed is taboo and they don't use it and they don't smoke it and they don't want it around their children and they don't want it out in the open. And they, you know, I mean, and that's just, just, I mean, you know, we, to us, it's not like that, but to some people it is. So that's, um, I think that's a big reason why Michigan's law allows for different communities to make their own decision is that like, such as Auburn Hills, they've banned marijuana dispensaries uh, entirely. Um, Ann Arbor, on the other hand, for example, has 23 of them. So, it's a different thing. But the confusion that's going on, and, and this is moving on from um, just Battle Creek into Michigan as a whole, um, it's so confusing, the law. is they, They've raided uh, clinics in Ferndale, Waterford Township, and um, other places in their state. Um, in a, an appeals court judge in a, in a case with uh, these, these particular raids in Ferndale and Waterford Township, um, said that sections of the Michigan, Michigan Medical Marijuana Act contradict state public health codes. And the judge, his name was uh, Peter O'Connell, he said the law is so confusing that users, and I quote, who proceed without caution could lose both their property and their liberty. And I mean, that's that's interesting stuff. I mean, even... Even those proceeding with caution can get caught in the legal haze surrounding uh, medical cannabis in Michigan. It's just uh, it's very unclear thing. And you know Joseph Cassius, who we we talked about, the employee of the year at Walmart that got in all that trouble. He's from Battle mm-hmm. Creek. That's where all right, that right, stuff right. went down. Right. Yeah. 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 That's that's where I thought this was. Just, you know, it seems like it seems like in that area they're they're trying really hard to to fight against this the medical marijuana movement. So, um, yeah. I mean it. <laughs> it's all confusing because your law says you can do this, but then you do it. And, and the first, if you're the first one or one of the first ones doing it, 
you're going to get busted and you're going to have to prove in court that you have the right to do. It. I mean, it's, it's just the same, same story in all these states. Um, law enforcement fights back. The prosecution prosecutors want to prosecute everybody and they try for a long time until there's precedence and then they stop and they're like, okay, well, we've tried to prosecute this type of medical marijuana um, uh, lawsuit or, or crime and it's repeatedly comes back as we lose. So we stop prosecuting it and that's what has to happen. So in, in Michigan and any of the newer States, when they open, like they open a shop or even just possession. I mean, I know, and I know for a while there's, they're still arresting the caregivers, the growers for a, for a while there. And, um, and, and there's still growers there going through in, you know, go, I mean, in all of the States going through the court systems, but, but it's all about them creating precedents. And once the precedents is set, then they, then it's up to the, then the, the district attorneys are like, we can't prosecute this because it doesn't, it's, we, it never works in court. So mm-hmm. unfortunately to get to that point, a lot of people have to go through the whole process of fighting in court to prove whether or not what they're doing is legal. And it all comes down to, you know, like, the the law itself and what the law does and doesn't say. And in a lot of these cases, the law doesn't say what, what they should be doing or whether what they're doing is legal or not. It is up to the courts to make the decision. You know, we talk about this a lot on the show. So, um, and that's, that's the confusing part and it's the shitty part for the people that are involved, um, on the industry side or even from the patient on the patient side too. Mm -hmm. So, the no. Senate uh, or Michigan State Representative Kevin Elsenheimer, uh, Republican from Kewadin, he says that uh, we have a system of legislators who are supposed to work out these issues. They're going to have to get involved to flesh out this issue to create a workable system. Um, I don't know. We'll see what happens with this. Uh, we'll definitely keep an eye on Michigan, just another state that has to work through this stuff. Isn't that go, doesn't that go back to what we always talk about in clarity in, in, from the get-go? In the onset of such uh, even a proposal of such legislation, they should hash this stuff out and make sure they have enough foresight now. They should be able to from all the states. I mean, what are there, 15 states now? Well, one of them hasn't, hasn't done anything yet. They're working on there. So 14 states worth of, of questions and kind of, you know, kind of, I don't know, barriers to get over and little problems and, and you know, issues that have arisen. They, they, they should have been be able to learn enough from these things to, to learn how to write the right kind of legislation where it would, you know, protect everybody involved and allow people to get on with the business of living, I would think. But, right. You know. Yeah. Well, that'd be good. No, that's good. <laughs> In the future, that's, that's a good way to go with these initiatives as you get them on the bat, put on the ballot, uh, look and see like, okay, we know that this isn't clear enough. We know that this gets hashed out in court. We, you know, specifically state what you can and can't do. And, and it would be nice uh, if some of these initiatives, you know, would talk about the, the actual business side of it from the get go, because that's the part that always gets hashed out in the courts, the possessions, like you can, you know, certain States, like you can possess this much that's black and white. Um, and then, but then from the, from the industry perspective, it all always gets worked out in court. So yeah, it'd be cool to see that from the get go with the state, like, um, that they're doing it through the initiative process to have as much of it laid out there as possible. 
But, uh, you know, we're still not seeing that. And um, maybe there's a reason why we're not seeing that. Maybe that's maybe getting into the business end takes the argument away from, well, these sick and dying people need their medicine and puts it too much into the business. Maybe it it make it Uh, more difficult to get it to pass, you know? Hmm. That's a good point. It's a very interesting point. Well, we'll keep an eye on what goes on there. That's for sure. Um, interesting stuff. Uh, sorry that uh, patients have to keep suffering while people hash this kind of stuff out. But, you know, I guess it's just a necessary part of the process. All right, heading over to Colorado. Got some positive news coming out of Colorado this week. Um, first of all, we're not going to spend much time on this stuff. But uh, as I mentioned in the highlights of the story, uh, stories that we're covering today at the beginning of the show, RTD, their mass transit uh, system, is running uh, Canada Convention ads for the upcoming Kushcon uh, 2. So that's a good thing. It's a good progress. If you've been keeping an eye on this, you'll notice that a lot of times this has been uh, attempted in the past in different places around the country um, to no avail. They've been censoring them and shutting them down, saying that we can't advocate illegal activities. So I guess they've done this in a tasteful enough way that uh, it does say uh, for the best in cannabis lifestyle right on it. So anyway, it's good news that they got uh, they got away with doing that, and that's uh, it's a good start for things. Especially yeah, in that Colorado place. moved forward first on that. That's 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 huge. Um, rock, you don't see that here. I mean, you you sure. see bill, billboards in Cali, but not on buses and trains and stuff. So um, mm-hmm. that's a big deal. That's a big deal. For sure. It is a great thing. And even a bigger deal, uh, right now, Colorado has been grappling with an effort to create the first state medical mar- or marijuana le- uh, regulations, which would be like quality standards and so forth. So that's interesting stuff. This is going to be a big project for them. They've been working on it for quite a while now. Um, has probably quite a while to go as well. But uh, we'll keep an eye on what's going on with that. I don't think we should really get too deep into it right now since it's just kind of they're working on it. But certainly an issue worth mentioning to our listeners. Uh, Colorado wants to be number one <laughs> in uh, in passing such a state regulation. Yeah, they want to be number one in regulations, and they're doing a good job of it. And they're starting <laughs> to regulate the business right on out the door. We'll see how that keep, we'll keep following it. Well, yeah, yeah, this is this is this is the positive aspect. I guess regulation is kind of a bad word. All the articles I've seen on this say regulation, but but really, what what they want to do is make a make some kind of quality standards that are statewide, where people can know what they're getting and uh, get get better quality with better consistency. Um, so hopefully, yeah, like you say, we'll keep an eye on what's going on with that. Um, down in, uh, meanwhile, down in Arizona, as we all know, it's past the 15th state. Woo-hoo, we're glad about that for sure. Um, <clears throat> they have 120 days to come up with the rules and the law. And now they've been talking about some serious issues of whether or not medical marijuana passage begs for more DUI, uh, drug arrests. Um, I have one thing to say to you guys. Please, Arizona, pay attention to this, especially if you're involved in making these laws. Refer to Michigan, who recently has reversed a Supreme Court decision. Um, it was a 2006 decision. By It was reversed even uh, <coughs> um, by a somewhat conservative court as well, um, where m- marijuana metabolites are not a controlled substance under state law. And the mere presence thus cannot be the basis for a conviction of the state's drug driving law. The court held this is a ruling came in People versus Fiesel. So check that out. Any of our listeners can check that out as well. We also have a link to a um, some stories. Um, I think we can stick up there. The old story from Michigan. It's in one of our previous episodes. But uh, yeah, please, please, Arizona, adopt a metabolite law. That's exactly what this is all about. It says if it's if you're if you're. Uh, 
what do you call that? Nanogram count is zooming through the sky. You're obviously massively impaired. If, uh, if your nanogram count is, is, is just shows up metabolites at a metabolite level, then there should be no, no DUID, they call it there in Arizona. Crazy that no, no company is moving forward with trying to create a better way of determining whether someone is under the influence at the moment or not. Cause I mean, yeah, field test. Yeah. If you could make the device, you would basically guarantee yourself sales in to every police department all over the country, world. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. It must be real. It must be a scientific nightmare to actually yeah. figure out how to how to how to change that because of the way that the THC metabolites in your in your system. So, um, yeah. so it's, so uh, I think, and I you're think saying, you need a blood test. You do, and but it's not an it. it, it the thing is, is THC state can stay in your system for like up to 30 days. So just because it's positive doesn't mean that you were using it at the time. No, right? but they can, they can detect based on the amount of THC in your blood that you have been using it within um, a, a specific amount of time. Uh, yeah, mm -hmm. pr probably within five hours or so. Yeah. Right. I mean, as, as long as you're high, I would think. But I guess mm, the problem is it's inefficient to do blood testing. I guess it's overly invasive. Yeah, and it's, it's very expensive. Also. It's really expensive. And within five hours does not prove that you were under the influence <laughs> while operating a vehicle. I mean, it just proves that you'd used it within five hours, not, you know. I'm just guess, like, I'm guessing about that. Oh, okay. But, but, but a blood so, test yeah. is a way to do it. Huh. So can a business whiz kids get on your, uh, get on your inventor stool and whip something up for us that uh, will let us test the stuff more accurately. Man, you can't imagine how big of a product that would be. Huge. Huge. And we hope that the Southwest can take... Yeah, absolutely. We hope Arizona can take these things into consideration when they're developing their laws to avoid more problems down the road, which we talk about constantly, that happen on a regular basis. Um, where are we going next? We're going to Iowa uh, and some Midwest melees. And actually, this is more of a glimmers of hope story right here. I'm really interested to find out what this one's all about. Uh, apparently, the Iowa Pharmacy Board is uh, making a move to reschedule marijuana. Pretty cool stuff. I don't stuff. exactly understand how that works at the state level, but maybe this clip will explain it for Let's us. Let's hear about it. Iowa's medical marijuana proponents say they feel like they hit the lottery. Emily Price explains their joy. Emily? A decision by the Iowa Pharmacy Board today has medical marijuana proponents at a new high in their fight to make the drug legal. I would move that we approve the opposed uh, amendments to Iowa Code Chapter 124. With no fanfare in a small Board of Pharmacy conference room, the board did something that medical marijuana proponents have been trying to do for four decades. I think it positions the board to look for the future. So the board voted unanimously to pre-file legislation that moves marijuana from a Schedule 1 drug to a Schedule 2. It was set to be adjustable, and today we've seen the adjustment. Carl Olson with Iowans for Medical Marijuana says the move to Schedule 2 gives scientific credo that marijuana can be used for medicinal purposes. As a Schedule 1 drug, he says, it's considered to be more dangerous. To me, the biggest impediment was this to get, to get the scientific experts like the Board of Pharmacy, to look at the science and give us uh, an honest assessment of what this we're really dealing with. And to me, that was a big deal. The vote is the latest in a long line of moves legitimizing medical marijuana. The American Medical Association came out in favor of it last November, then the Iowa Medical Society in April, and the National Boards of Pharmacy in May. The momentum is just there. 
Now it's up to Iowa lawmakers, and Olson expects many Iowans will soon be dialing them up and filling their inboxes. I can't tell you how far it's going to go, but it's a huge uh, plus for all of those people. Senate Majority Leader Mike Ronstall says they will certainly take a look at this proposed legislation, but he says this is not something that has even come up in any conversations with Republicans so far. Wow. Yeah, that's the, and this is the, I mean, this is really where the fight goes at the federal level. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know how much proof we have, I, I don't know how much proof we have to, to, to give to people to, to show that there is medicinal use for marijuana. Uh, it's becoming a little ridiculous in my opinion, just to get it rescheduled. You, you think at this point there's enough, enough evidence, but, uh, apparently there's not, huh? So, no, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's an interesting thing in order, uh, if, if legislators accept these proposals, they'd have to approve a separate medical marijuana prog- uh, program, as well, that several state leaders, including their governor-elect, Terry Branstad, said that they uh, are opposed to such an idea. So we'll see what's going on with this. But uh, so far, that's and pretty that, uh, prominent, unanimous, they said. Right. And that's the way that – I remember when we were covering this back and back, way back, back in the agendas. Um, uh-huh. I was considering when if, if they move forward this, they will be dispensing it out of – pharmacies right wasn't that one of the things they were talking about um that's what they were talking about doing there's there's a whole other thing you know with uh, the fda and all that it's it's a hairy kind of thing but it's all new it's really kind of a lot of the aspects of iowa's uh, progress is somewhat unique to iowa so it's definitely an interesting test bed if nothing else at this point but uh we'll keep an eye on what's going on with that and see how things develop it may be a good thing it may be, yeah, it may be. And cannabis, this new study says, from the research bin today, I should say from the pseudo-almost kind of research bin, um, cannabis may suppress immune functions. Um, a new study uh, prote- proposes to reveal how cannabis suppresses immune functions. An international team of immuno- immunologists studying the effects of cannabis have discovered how smoking marijuana can trigger a suppression of the body's immune functions. The research was published in the European Journal of Immunology, um, and it, it, it supposedly reveals uh, why cannabis users are more susceptible to certain types of cancers and infections. Um, I don't know. Anecdotal evidence shows me that that's not necessarily the case. Um, this is an ongoing thing. Uh, this was just about three steps from being uh, included in our topics barely worth wasting any time on yet, due primarily to the three-letter word may. It may. How can you put something out there that's so profound and so uh, positive, or I mean so uh, affirmative, that uh, that just may happen that way? You know, cannabis may make your penis longer. Cannabis may make your business successful, and you'll have an influx of money. Cannabis may make your, I don't know, make good fortune come into your life. Cannabis may do a lot of things. It may make you vomit if you're allergic to it. Who knows? 
But uh, this study's up there. We actually put a link to uh, uh, from a, some cyorgs.com uh, covered this, and we put a link to the uh, abstract, the European Journal of Immunology abstract. You can read that um, about it. I think you have to pay to get the full study. And there's also a decent uh, – it's from uh, RantRave. It's a pretty interesting uh, website that uh, their science technology department, there's a rant on there, uh, kind of an opinion response to this. I thought it was pretty decent, and it could sum up a lot of things, you know, probably as good as we can. So I left that on there for people to check out as well. Um, take a look at it and see what you think. Um, if you like it, let us know. If you don't like it, let us know that too. Always uh, always open to contact and information, and uh, we always encourage you to get involved with our show. That's kind of how we roll here, around here at the Cannabis Agenda, right? Yup. Yup. That's mm-hmm. how we roll. We may put on, uh, you know, some, some good uh, studies sometimes. Every once in a while we may do that. Sometimes not. Yeah. So I think uh, without further ado, that kind of uh, puts us close to the end of the show. You want to uh, run people through how to get a hold of us again? Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, def- definitely. Um, you can check out the website at uh, canvasagenda.com. Email us with any questions, comments, or uh, criticism, whatever. Uh, the email is info at cannabisagenda.com. You can give us a call anytime, 707-654-CAN, C-A-N-N, which is uh, 2266. Leave a voicemail. We'll play it on, on the air if you'd like. Um, yeah, any scoops or anything going on with uh, stories in your area, please send them to us. We will cover them. Um, you can, uh, you can, you can find us on iTunes, search for cannabis agenda, marijuana, cannabis, uh, whatever under um, podcast and you should find us. Please uh, subscribe. It's the easiest way. It'll always be uh, automatically uh, available on your iTunes account once it's once we have the show up. Um, and please leave us reviews on there. Also, you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook. And uh, please mm-hmm. um, suggest us to your friends on Facebook. So. Right, and we always yeah. love hearing from our international listeners as well. So please, by all means, we're very interested in seeing what's going on in your neck of the woods. So send us a send us a little jingle and let us know what's up in your area of our planet, the cannabis planet. Yep. Uh huh. With that, I think it's a wrap. Darn, peace and pot. Nice. Take care, people. We'll see you next week. Agenda, your weekly source for cannabis-related news and informed discussion. We podcast for an hour every Monday covering topics related to cannabis legalization, medical marijuana, and market-related information. You can follow online with us at CannabisAgenda.com.